This program contains material or language which may be considered objectionable. Parental guidance is suggested. It's a uh, survey time again. Is everybody here to see the original, to see the black and white express? Okay, says one more for the good guy. You take the blue pill, the story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland. I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. You are tuned in to SNS Unplugged, your source for pro wrestling discussion. Because our time is now. The champ is here. Wrestling news sponsored by wrestling-online.com. Yes! 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 movies and entertainment and the occasional conspiracy theory with your hosts all the way from new york city do you know who i am the bronx father tony j mirabella and residing in calgary alberta canada Mister! money on the mic say hello to the bad guy jeff Jackson. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Unscripted, uncensored, unbelievable. It's unplugged. Why, oh why didn't I take the blue pill? We are the best in the world at what we do. And it starts now.
right, all right, all right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of SNS Unplugged right here on the SNS Radio Network. As always, I am Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson, and joining me, as always, each and every week on this program, my co-host, my partner in crime, if you will, all the way from New York City. He is the Bronx father, Tony J. Mirabella. What is going on, Bronx? Partner, what is up, man? I am stoked for tonight's show, man. Been waiting all weekend. Cannot wait. Glad to be with you, my friend. A lot of big things going on on the show tonight, man. A lot of big things. Later on the program, we're going to be hearing from uh, former Governor Jesse Ventura about the JFK assassination, his latest book, They Killed Our President, 63 Reasons to Believe There Was a Conspiracy to Assassinate JFK. We'll talk about that a little later on the program. We will be running down what happened Last night on Raw, going into this Sunday's Hell in the Cell pay-per-view, News of the Week sponsored by Wrestling-Online.com, This Day in Wrestling History by Sean Beckerman. But before we get to all of that, we're going to open up the show with a very special guest, a person that I enjoy talking to every year in anticipation for the WWE Games release every year. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, they say pimping isn't easy. And I'm assuming that video game design is not easy as well. <laughs> Welcome to the program, the man that I have dubbed the godfather of WWE games. Ladies and gentlemen, senior game designer at 2K Sports, Brian Williams. Brian, what's going on? What is up, brothers? How you guys doing? We're doing good, man. How you been? I'm doing great, man. I got to say, man, you, got, you, you, see, you guys went too well. That, that, that introduction was, was mind-blowing. I wish I would have recorded that. Well, don't worry, I did. Oh, good, good. That was that was very, very kind of you guys. I don't know if I'm the godfather of the game, just a just a hardworking game designer. That's that's it. Well, you know what? You're you're the most humble game designer I've ever met. We go through this every year, but yes, I have dubbed you the godfather of WWE games. And I got to tell you, man, everything that I have seen thus far in the last three, four weeks, uh, as it pertains to WWE 2K14, looks amazing. Uh, you announced the DLC, uh, I believe it was yesterday. And yeah, yesterday. Wow, you talk about the IWC and everybody that saw the trailer, mouths wide open, eyes as big as you know cookie sheets. I, I got to be honest, man. I think this is probably one of the best DLC lineups I've ever seen. Yeah, you know, uh, I I couldn't agree more, man. Like, I mean, I I kind of like a broken record. You know, I've been doing interviews with people you know, promoting the game that's coming out this Tuesday, October twenty ninth, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, what we did with W13, you know, was, was one thing. And a lot of people thought that, oh, how are you guys going to top top that as far as covering the Attitude Era? And last year's game had a really good DLC package as well. But, I mean, you look at, like you said, I mean, the DLC was announced yesterday. Uh, it's amazing. It is it is incredible. Uh, star-studded lineup of uh, guys and gals as well as new moves. Uh, it's incredible. I mean, this, this year's game truly is it's the dopeness, man. It, it really is. This is an incredible game. I'm so proud of all the work that everyone on the team has put into it. And I think those fans, you know, fans of WWE or just fans of wrestling in general, you guys are going to geek out come Tuesday when you get your hands on it. It's, it really is. It, it's dope. It's that good. I, I love it. I'm playing it. I can't stop playing it. And I've been working on it for the past year. Wow, man. I, you know, just looking at the DLC package, even the, uh, the moves, uh, the moves DLC list you've got the Koji Clutch, the Soda Plunge. For, for those of you that don't know what the Soda Plunge is, it's actually the Pepsi Plunge that CM Punk used to do in Ring of Honor, which is a top rope pedigree that finally made it into exactly. the game. That is awesome. 
And I yeah, also that, that was probably the funniest. Oh, um, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, that, that's right. I was gonna say I also noticed the power bomb lung blower. I'm very familiar with this move because I've seen Teddy Hart do it locally here like a hundred times. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's pretty crazy with that move. Yeah, I, I love that. I actually, uh, you know, I put the moves pack together, you know, each year, and uh, you know, I, I kind of I call on the fans. You know, obviously they're very vocal about what they want in the game, and. You know, uh, they hit me up on Twitter. I've got some guys that got my email. They'll email me their recommendations. So it really is, you know, it's a set of moves that's been generated, you know, by the fans, for the fans. I mean, of course, I threw in my own, you know, two cents in opinion as well. But I think I'm, I'm really proud of uh, of the amount of moves we're offering this year because there's more than we gave uh, the players last year. And I think one of the things that I'm not even mentioned is that we have a we have a comeback as part of this moves pack DLC as well for Zach Ryder. So although the Broski Broski fans out there, you know, giving Zach Ryder a little bit of love in this uh, moves pack as well. I was going to make a joke and say he still wrestles, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he always talk cracking jokes about he's going to be in, uh, in catering or something like that. Well, yeah, there you go. I mean, hey, at least he's still part of the game. I mean, you, you got to give him credit for that one. He's hanging on. Oh, yeah. Exactly, exactly. No, tooth and nail. But no, as, as I look over this DLC list, like – I don't know if I just missed it yesterday when you guys did it because I remember seeing the video and I remember reading the superstars, but for some reason I didn't see Scott Steiner. And then when I saw the video of Scott Steiner doing the Steiner recliner, I'm like, well, Steiner's in this thing too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The well, well, I'm trying to think of one of his many nicknames. Uh, the Big Bad. What was it? Uh, the Big oh, Bad so Booty Daddy. Booty Daddy. Yeah. The one and only. Is in uh, is in our first pack actually. So, you know, players who get the game, they won't have to wait long to uh, to get Steiner and the rest of the NWO guys because uh, that DLC pack, the first one, will be out in November. Very nice. I don't know. I don't remember in the other games, but that is exciting. That I assume one of my favorite moves of all time, the Frankenstein, is going to be in there. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Oh. We got we got all the Steiner's uh, moves in there. Uh, you know, the Steiner screwdriver. I mean. It's it's funny, like when we were putting together his moveset and you know, capturing all this other mocap. I mean, Scott Steiner. I mean, obviously he's been he's been running for a long time. He's got a really expansive uh, moveset, so uh, it was really fun putting this stuff together. Uh, I think you know he's one of the, the guys that I use the most. I think when this goes out and people hear that the Steiner screwdriver is in, you're going to make everybody happy. I mean, I don't know how many times in the last I don't know five or six years people have wanted the Steiner screwdriver in the game now it's there that's awesome uh, and it is a thing of beauty i gotta give a shout out to the guys who mocap that because uh you know i'm very uh i work the guys in mocap you know i mean the first couple of things we did it it looked all right it looked good but i had to get you know the uh the best of the best for our for our uh our fans uh so we got a really good one in there unfortunately one of the guys that that, that took it got a little sting on top of his head but it's all for the best it's all for the fans uh, and it looks as devastating as it should, you know. He gets a royalty, doesn't he? What's that? Doesn't he get a royalty off this thing? Who Steiner? No, the uh, the guy that got that got hurt during the mocap. Oh. <laughs> he doesn't get royalties, but you know he gets he gets he gets a nice paycheck. Oh, He's cool. well compensated. Do you, you guys taking legit bumps <laughs> to mocap for a video game? You know the game's going to be all that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're all about, you know, uh, authenticity is huge with us each and every year. Uh, I mean, I, you know, obviously sometimes, you know, we'll have a crash pad that they can, you know, take the bumps on. 
But sometimes, you know, honestly, the craft fads get in the way, and uh, I kind of rely on these guys to kind of just do their thing. Because they're professional wrestlers. Like, they know how to protect themselves. So it's not like we just have, uh, you know, actors in there trying to pretend to be wrestlers. We've got actual wrestlers that are uh, doing these motions for us. Very cool. Does Chase still do stuff for you guys? Chase. Stevens. Chase Stevens. Yeah. The hot shot. One half of the hot shots. Uh, he's a really good friend of mine. Uh, actually, you know, they really don't want us to, to, to talk about the talent that is involved. Gotcha. Uh, for vocab anymore. But Chase is a very good friend of mine. I'll just uh, leave, it, leave it at that. I, I used to work shows with that guy back uh, 2004. I haven't seen him in forever, but uh, good guy. Yeah, he's a, he's a really good guy. Uh, he was actually out here not too long ago. He did, um, what is it, a Wrestling Cares promotion. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I have. Uh, Les, Les Patrick's promotion. Yeah, he was out here in L.A., so I got a chance to, uh, to see him not too long ago. Very cool. Uh, transitioning back into the game a little bit. Like I said, there's all kinds of modes in this game that I'm excited about. And, you know, we talk about the Attitude Era last year in WWE 13. This year, you guys have kind of spruced it up a little bit. And now you've brought us the 30 years of WrestleMania mode. And I, I, was, I was stoked when I first heard about this. And, you know, going through and all the match listings, uh, I mean, there, there's some matches I thought should have been there that weren't, and I was curious as to why. But as far as what you have presentation-wise, from the video package to going and, and reliving the match, uh, I, I think it's amazing that you guys were able to get the talent signed for this game to pull that off. Yeah, uh, it truly was a remarkable feat that we were able to uh, to do what we did this year. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of people were were, were you know curious as to see which direction we would go with this year's title, seeing as how we covered Attitude Era last year. Uh, so it definitely was a monumental undertaking. But you know, uh, the designer of the mode, Jody Hicks, you know, I worked with him. Well, we all worked you know worked together on this mode. Uh, but it really, I mean. I mean, you mentioned the talent involved. I mean, obviously, you know, it's been it's been out there that Hulk Hogan's in the game, you know, Ultimate Warrior, Goldberg. I mean, what's that? You know, without these guys, especially Hogan, like we could not have been able to do what we did. I mean, you really can't even think about doing a mode or talking about WrestleMania without including Hulk Hogan. So, you know, uh, we got an amazing roster. We cover all the WrestleManias, like you mentioned, starting at WrestleMania One. The very first match uh, in the mode from WrestleMania One actually is. Uh, Big John Stud versus Andre the Giant. Uh, it was the Body Slam Challenge. Yes. I think it was like for $15,000. So uh, and we got Heenan right there ringside. It's it's a great way to, to kickstart the mode. Uh, and you mentioned like the presentation. And one thing that as we've been showing the game to uh, the press and to the fans, the one thing that I, that I absolutely love that really kind of transports you back to that time period, uh, it's this cool uh, screen filter that we have. As you're playing these older WrestleMania matches to kind of really invoke that vibe that you're watching and viewing like an archived piece of footage. Uh, it's a really cool touch of presentation. And of course, we've got all the authentic and, you know, accurate uh, on-screen graphics and displays. Uh, I mean, you'll feel like it's 1985 all over again. Well, you know, I was talking to, to Bronx about that. I think it was a week or two ago we were talking about it on the news segment here. And he actually asked me, he goes, so you're telling me that they're able to take the feel of like 1985 or 1986 and put it in the game, and as as the years progress, uh, you can tell the change in the product from, you know, maybe a little grainy to the high def that's now. And I said, absolutely, that's exactly what they've done. That is it. That's exactly what we did. You know, um, you know, we really tried to, you know, really, really hone in on the presentation because that's really, you know, outside of the gameplay, which is of course key. I mean, gameplay is key, 
But when you're, you know, taking you know players back to a time period, you know, you you've got to really, you got to, you got to, you got to dig deep and really, you know, do do your best to to make it as authentic in terms of, you know, the aesthetic as possible. Uh, because it's because I mean we're, we're recreating matches that have actually occurred, so it's it's going to be easy for a player to kind of pop in a DVD or find something on YouTube from WrestleMania One, WrestleMania Two, and so on, and kind of compare it to our game. So we really wanted to hone in on that and make sure the the authenticity was uh, was dialed in. Oh, absolutely. I know we're going to have uh, lots of questions from the chat room, and I think they're even talking about emails. I haven't checked my email yet, but uh, I do have a question in regards to some of the. Uh, the create a wrestler uh, section. Have you guys updated yeah. any of the uh, the call parts for the superstars? You know, like classic superstars or any maybe new hair pieces or anything you've added to the mode this year? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, every year when it comes to create a superstar, because you know how popular that mode is. I mean, it's I mean outside of playing the game itself, like you know, it's definitely by far and away the most popular of our create modes. So every year, you know, we obviously you know we want to. Uh, updated with new parts, new features. Um, one of the biggest things, I mean, it's been announced, but I'll reiterate, is that we added 50 additional slots for you to save, you know, your superstars. Yes. Uh, last year's game, you could only save up to 50. Now you can save 100. Uh, that's something that fans have been wanting us to do for a couple of years now, so glad to be able to do that uh, for this year's game, for WWE 2K14. Um, but, yeah, outside of that, of course, we've added new parts. Uh, the biggest new addition we made to the mode or what we call the, uh, the WWE Superstar Templates, uh, where you can basically take, you know, one of the default superstars on the roster. We have 14 of them. Uh, for example, CM Punk. You can go into Cup of Superstar, you know, take CM Punk, take his, his likeness, his face, his, his body, as well as his tattoos, and kind of create another version of CM Punk and save that as either a regular Cup of Superstar, or you can kind of you can merge what you've created to the actual CM Punk on disc. So it takes on the moveset and the traits of the default CM Punk, but allows you to kind of have him wear whatever gear you created for him in uh, Credit Superstar mode. It's really cool. It's a really cool feature. I think our fans are really going to get a kick out of it. Yeah, I noticed. I noticed with the Superstar Heads feature too. You've got uh, Paul Heyman and Roddy Piper. So those two guys, you know, are now a part of the game if you make those characters through the template, which I thought was great. Exactly. Exactly. I think there was a lot of. Uh, you know, people were kind of disappointed at SummerSlam, I heard, from uh, a roster announcement when they found out that Piper wasn't in the game by default. But I'm, I'm, it's good to know that you can at least, you know, you have his face, you have his template in there. So you can create, you know, a hot rod of your own. Uh, so that's, you know, that's a, that's a good, you know, uh, consolation prize. I think so. I think so, too. But, yeah, I, I kind of tend to agree with him. I mean, I thought that for sure Piper and uh... – and Bret Hart for WrestleMania 8 would have been in the game. But, I mean, I'm not complaining. I like the fact that we got Randy Savage and, and Ric Flair. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. I, 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 was, I was curious on that one. So that's good to know that we can at least have Piper in the game. That's, that's the cool thing. Exactly. You can get the hot rod in there, you know, one way or the other. You can still relive the match. Exactly, exactly. Let's see. Let me go back to some more questions. Uh, Maze in the chat wants to know if uh, any of the glitch freeze issues in the PS3 uh, for WWE 13 had been fixed and they're okay for WWE 2K14? Uh, well, we, you know, I, I would say so. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm, I don't want to be here on the radio you know, telling the world that, <laughs> you know, the game will be 100% bug-free because there's no game that's 100% bug-free. Uh, but what I can tell you is that since we've made the move to 2K, who have been fantastic, they really have, you know, during the transition and helping us get back on a horse and getting this game done, uh, 
our two-way department this year was phenomenal. They've done an, they've done an amazing job, uh, you know, debugging the game, making sure that, you know, those, you know, any kind of glitches or crashes or freezes, all those, you know, kind of ungainly, unsightly issues that, you know, were in the game last year have been cleaned up. So I this year's game is definitely a lot more polished, uh, a lot more fun. Uh, I think, you know, to answer this guy's question, I think, you know, you're definitely going to see a much smoother, polished uh, gameplay experience uh, than what we had in W13. Uh, so my hat's off to the QA department. They they did an outstanding job, you know, uh, getting rid of all documenting and spot checking and making the game, you know, be as tight and as, as, uh, as polished as it can be. Now, one thing I did notice uh, about the game that's different, obviously, from last year's iteration is this year there's a lot of uh, sound effects that have been added, you know, uh, like most notably R-Truth saying what's up before he gets ready to hit his finish, uh, and a lot of the superstars making audible calls as they come down to the ring, like Ryback and uh, a few others. Uh, I think that that really adds to the author, author, excuse me, the authenticity of what we see on WWE programming. Yeah, and that's what we're striving for. Um, that was one of those things that, you know, we all wanted to get in, into the game, just, you know, those little bits of personality. And because at the end of the day, I mean, we're making the game for the WWE. I mean, we're trying to replicate and mimic exactly how these superstars behave. Uh, and for whatever reason, it just seemed like this year in particular, there were just a lot of guys being a lot more vocal uh, during their matches. Uh, you mentioned Ryback, you know, during his entrance, uh, you know, during the matches, you know, before he became a rule breaker, you know, when he was you know, on a fan favorite, you know, he would do that taunt, you know, to finish it before he would uh, hit a shell shot. Uh, those kind of things. You mentioned r truth, you know, he's been doing that what's up call out for a while now. So it was good to get that into the game as well as, you know, the crowd response. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that is it's not on the back of the box. You know, it's not something that we're saying, oh, get the game because of this. But it's, as you mentioned, it's just that added bit of presentation that really kind of immerses you into the gameplay experience. Uh, it makes it that much more representative of what you normally see. You know, when you tune into Monday Night Raw or SmackDown main event or, you know, this, this Sunday, Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, you know. Now, getting back to that, and, and here's an interesting question. As far as the create a, uh, create a wrestler feature, the, the creation suite, uh, say, for example, I make a moveset. Say I want to use a guy and give him R-Truth's moveset, you know, maybe, maybe his entrance or whatever, but I want to tweak some things. If I have the comeback where he's doing the audible, is that character that I have that's got Truth's moveset going to have that audible, or is it just specific to the character? This is a great question. You know, I'm surprised that you know, I'm surprised I haven't received this question, uh, you know, before because I figured that would be one of the first things people would wonder about. Uh, so the way it works is that any superstar that has, you know, VO, whether it's you know Archduke, his his What's Up taunt, or uh, you know Daniel Bryan, uh, this VO is tied to that character alone. So. If I take, you know, R-Truth's taunt, the What's Up taunt, and I put that on a character that I've created, or if I say I want to put it on, you know, on Natalia for whatever reason, uh, they'll do the motion, but the VO is tied just to that character. Gotcha. The character that it belongs to, the superstar, I've got to correct myself, the superstar that it belongs to. Okay. And I think somebody had asked me the question, and, and I don't remember if I've seen this or not, CM Punk, when he comes down to the ring, does he say it's clobbering time when he comes down to the ring? Some people have said yes, and some people have said no. No, he doesn't. And, there, uh, and there, there's a trademark I, reason for that, right? There, well, you know, it's 
that's just one of those things that pains me that I really wish we would have got that in there, but you know, during production, we were, you know, getting all this stuff, you know, the VO and everything recorded. Cause we actually recorded each one of these guys uh, in a booth. Uh, we didn't take this from programming. Like we had the guys come in, we showed them the raw data of what we had mocapped and then told them, you know, exactly what, what, we, what, what our intention was, you know, like we brought our shoes into the booth, Daniel Bryan, and we like, here's what we mocap. This is what we're going to do in the game for you to kind of mimic what you're doing now. Uh, but at the time that we were doing this, you know, CM Punk had turned his back on the fans and he had kind of stopped, you know, doing the clobbering time thing because he ah. was, you know, the bad guy. So I kind of, I took a guess and I guessed wrong. I mean, and I thought that he was going to stay on the side of the villains uh, longer than he eventually did. So when he did, you know, turn back to be to the side of the, the fan favorite, I was kicking myself in the in the butt for that one. So, yeah, unfortunately, he doesn't have it. Sucks, I know, but, you know, it's one of those things. Well, there's always next year, right? Exactly. And it, it seems like, you know, things are progressing well. So, you know, I have no doubts there. Um, going back to the creation suite, I'm just curious, do you have any new hats this year in the creative suite? <laughs> any new hats? You know, like a chef uh, hat? There's a, a chef hat. Oh, yeah. I'm still waiting on my damn chef hat, Brian. Come on. You're killing me. You are, brother, brother. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> the chef hat. You know, the chef hat, it was there. But, you know, it became a choice between the chef hat and another hat that a superstar wears. And, you know, I, I'm sorry, brother, but, you know, we always got to. We gotta make sure we get the uh the wrestling specific stuff in there before we can get any of the any of the, the other non wrestling related hats. But don't worry, man, Jeff, I'm gonna get that chef hat in there for you, brother. I, I will. Just hang in there with me. I'm gonna hold you to that, man. I mean I, I hope I hope so. I, I I'm writing it down again, another reminder. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know I like to give you hell about that, man. It's all cool. Hat. Boom. Or yeah. Jeff. That's right. I can't. I can't make my mentor and trainer the chef if I don't have a chef's hat, man. You can't smell what the <laughs> chef is cooking without the chef hat. I know. I know. Oh man, that's that's good stuff. Uh, back to the modes of of gameplay. Uh, you know, universe has been tweaked quite a bit this year. The thing that I did like uh, that I saw in the presentation for universe this year was that you're able to make changes to specific shows. Like, for example. If you want to have an all-female show now and you want to have the Divas belt be your main title, you can change that. Now, the question I have is, can you change the Divas slot if you don't want to have a Divas show, like the, the where the Divas title is? Can you change that with a lesser title and put it in there? For to be the main title for that show? No, no, not, not the main title. I mean, you, okay, like in universe mode, you've got like your, your main championship, your secondary, right. your tag, and then it's got the Diva belt at the end. Can you right, right. can you take the diva belt out at the end if you don't want it and replace it with a lesser belt? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I gotta double check on that one. Oh, look at you, Jeff. You're throwing curveballs at me. Uh, I believe so. I believe so. You know, I bring I'll the, the double check that one though. You know, I'm not at my desk. I can just pop the game open real quick. Uh, well, you know, you know, I bring the questions, man. You know, I, I get them. You do. You do. I, I enjoy this interview every year, man. I do. You ask, you always ask good, entertaining questions. I try, I try. <laughs> Bronx, you, you got anything? Well, I mean, I know that the Facebook page every year is lit up. I mean, one of my jobs is to keep an eye on our Facebook page, and every year around this time, it it comes up. You know, I, I always tell Jeff that I'm, I don't, I just don't have one of the newer consoles, but 
every year I, I say this, that if you wanted to sell me a restricted console that could only play this game, I'd, I'd get it because it's just, as a wrestling fan, every year I get closer and closer to having to make this happen. But um, the animations look great. I'll ask the same question that, that I think I might have asked you or someone once before. Are there ever thoughts of a PC version of this game? Uh, the PC version. This question I do get a lot. Uh, we are not going to be on PC for this year's title. Uh, obviously, the are only on 360 PS3. Uh, however, you know, there hasn't been anything decided about, you know, in the future as far as, you know, whether or not, you know, we'll do a PC skew. Uh, but I, I think you're speaking to someone, I mean, cause I, I mean, the demand is obviously out there. Cause I mean, you, you're asking that we get this question a lot. So I would only think that, you know, one would be coming soon, maybe, you know, I mean, we're, we're missing a new publisher now, you know, 2k. And I think, you know, they're all about pleasing the fans. So if that, if there is a, you know, that much, you know, demand for a PC version of this game, uh, I'd be surprised if they didn't look at, at least to investigate doing that. Uh, so just hang tight with us and, you know, see what, what movie make in the future here. Yeah, I, I think the reason that people want a PC version is because the PC is such a popular gaming platform. Although, I mean, honestly, other than like shooters and stuff, uh, there's not many games I'll play on the PC. But I think that's pretty much where the question comes from as far as the console versus PC thing. Because there's a lot of people out there yeah. who's like, I'm not buying a console. I want to, you know, just stick on the PC. So I think that's where that pretty much comes from. Yeah, and I've, you know, I've got friends, you know, who are uh, strict, you know, just PC gamers only. Like, they kind of feel, like, well, I got a PC. I don't need a, a 360 uh, or a PS3. I'm good with my with my PC. And, and they're wrestling fans, and they want to have a wrestling game that they can play, which I totally understand. I mean, I mean, yeah, we want to we want to provide every wrestling fan out there, every, you know, every gamer that's a wrestling fan with, you know, the games they can play on whatever, you know, console they choose to. So, uh, I have... I, would, I have high hopes for us one day doing a PC title, and hopefully it happens you know, sooner rather than later. Now, getting back to the modes in the game, the universe mode, uh, one of the other features that I really like this year is that you're able to control the feuds that go on in universe. If you want to have two superstars have a 12-week feud, you can do that. Um, and this ties a lot of cutscenes in as well, because I think one of the big knocks last year was that Seems like the cutscenes would just randomly show up sometimes, and sometimes they wouldn't really show up. Um, so this year, that's kind of been modified and fixed with you being able to control the rivalries. Correct? Oh hell yeah, Jeff! You couldn't, man. I'll tell you, you know this rivalry manager. It's uh, on the face of it, it kind of seems like oh rivalry manager. Okay, sounds cool. For me, as as someone who plays this game as well as work on it, it's a game changer. I think rivalry manager. It single-handedly has made Universe infinitely better than it's been ever. This is the best version of Universe that we've ever put out, chiefly because this rival rivalry managers in place. And like you, and like you just mentioned, you know, you can set up, you know, these feuds where the one-on-one or two tag teams set the length. Uh, you know, of course, pick the guys that you want to have feuding, and the matches will be designated as such on the match card. So when you're, you know, on your raw match card and you've got, you know, Dean Ambrose. Uh, Dolph Ziggler, and they're in the feud, it'll, it'll be, you know, it'll say rivalry match, which automatically lets you know that, that one, these guys have beef, and two, you're guaranteed to see something cool happen in the match, whether it be a cutscene at the start, uh, something at the end of the match maybe, or a run-in of some kind, you're going to see something cool. And it's just a great way that kind of 
finally puts a nice spotlight on these cutscenes that we've had in Universe, you know, since its inception, but have always, like you mentioned, kind of been on the periphery. Like, sometimes they happen. You're not sure why. You know, you'd like to see them more, but you just don't understand how or why these things are triggering. Uh, this rivalry manager completely sets that all in the place. And, uh, and, and again, like I said, it's just a game changer. It's completely made the mode, you know, the ish. It's incredible. Uh, <laughs> it really is. I can't, I can't, I can't speak highly enough of this, of this addition and what it does to the universe and the experience that, that you'll have uh, by messing with it. And, you know, by default, the AI will go ahead and uh, kind of set up some rivalries for you. But you can go in, of course, and, you know, kind of, you know, tell the AI to kick rocks and do your own rivalries, which is great. Which I think probably most people are going to do anyway. I mean, our AI is fine, but I think most people have an idea in their head of who they want to have feuding with who. So you can go in and just set that up all on your own. Uh, and it's great. And it's a smart system, too. So if you take the champion of any title, whether it's secondary title or the main title, and put him up with, you know, a non-champion or maybe somebody that's got one of the secondary titles, the game will recognize that, and the feud that you'll be involved in will, of course, either revolve around that secondary title or that superstar trying to, you know, get the main title. Right. So uh, it's, it's really awesome, and it's intuitive, and it's, it's a smart system. Uh, and like I said, yeah, it's, it's a great addition to the mode. Now, the last couple of years, one of the things I've liked about the presentation as far as when you have a title match, um, I, I know it was specific to two different, to, to the WWE Championship and the World Heavyweight Championship, but in past games, you've been able to have a world title match or a WWE Championship match, and I love the presentation that goes into that where, uh, you know, they get the ring announcements, they're in the ring, and they're doing the face-off, and, you know, each guy's in the corner, and Justin Roberts will do the ring introductions or whatnot. And they'll be holding the belt. But I noticed that that was only specific to those two belts. Have there been any any changes to that? Like, I mean, are all the other belts? Uh, because I'd like to be able to make, you know, custom championships for, you know, different little federations and be able to uh, use those and be able to use I, those. Nice. You went there. I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm sorry to cut you off. But you said it. Custom championships. I feel you. Uh, that presentation, I love it. I, I absolutely love it because it makes those matches feel that much more important. Uh, that big, we call it, like internally, me and you, you call it the, uh, the big title presentation, for lack of a better word. Yep. Uh, it's, it's still there for the WWE and the World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, there's perfect, but this, this is a great question. Man, I told you, man, you asked all the right questions, dog. <laughs> it's my job, brother. So it's my the, job. Yeah, yeah. So one of the new create modes that we added, well, it's not brand new, it wasn't last year, but we improved it, is that we've added this new ability where you can now, you know, customize and create your own championship outside of just taking a, you know, a WWE, you know, title and, like, recoloring it. We still have that in there, but you can now choose to create your very own title. And any title you create through this new uh, custom championship mode uh, will get the big title match presentation. Oh. So you'll get Justin Roberts doing the ring announcement, both guys in the corner. Uh, so it's, it's going to be for the two main WWE championships as well as, you know, whatever custom championship you create. So it'll be used in those situations. Now, for the championships, are there, like, certain templates you have to start with, or can you literally start from scratch and draw the thing yourself? No. Uh, you, have, you have one of five templates you can choose from. Uh, oh, that yeah. is a, a predetermined kind of style for the title where the front plate and the side plate the shapes are set, but once you, you know, pick that title, you can then start, you know, of course, changing the color of the plates, the strap. You can start adding uh, the sculptural reliefs 
to the front plates, the side plates, as well as a whole bunch of other, you know, uh, logos, decals, and images that you can adorn to the titles themselves. Uh, so I think it's, it's, a, it's, a really, it's, a, it's a really good step in the right direction towards what I think our fans, you know, were hoping that we were going to give them last year. Uh, now this year, you know, they'll be able to have much more say as far as how they want the titles to look. Um, you can even, of course, apply uh, logos that have been created through the custom logo editor as well. So whether you want to download something from community creations that you've seen or if you want to create your own custom logo, you can do that and apply that to your title uh, as well. See, that's awesome because I'm, I'm a belt mark. And to be able to do things like that, you know, make even even go as far as make a belt with any name you want, logo, that is very – and then have the, the thing presented when you win it. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you, man. I, I'm, I love championships. I love titles. I mean, they're, it's, I mean that's what these guys are, are wrestling for, you know? They're wrestling for, for championships. So, uh, yeah, we, we, did, we did some really cool things to improve that this year, the Cousin Championships. Uh, and just in terms of titles in the game, I mean, we have, you know, all the all the titles that were in W13 are back in 2K14. Oh, nice. As well, as well as all the titles that we made available via DLC for last year's game. Those are going to be in the game by default when you get the game uh, on Tuesday, on the 29th. So if you like championships, I mean, you're definitely going to have your fill with all the, you know, authentic and accurate titles as well as all the cool titles you can create on your own. Now, speaking of last year, W13, obviously the Attitude Era was a big deal. Uh, have you guys left the champ? Or it's not the championship. Have you guys left the entrance templates for the superstars that were in the Attitude Era there? <laughs> Are you talking about uh, like guys like uh, like Billy Gunn and those type and those cats, Gangrel? Yeah, yeah, those guys just, that were yeah, yeah. Just just their basic entrances, basically, is what I'm asking. If they're still in the in the uh, creative mode there. Hell yeah, Jeff! Of course. See, I knew you weren't going to disappoint me on that one. I knew. Of I just I, I wanted to make sure my listeners got that. No, of course, no. Uh, you know, every uh, you know, every time we add an entrance, you know, in the game, a move in the game, uh, you know, that's that becomes part of the game. You know, whether or not that superstar, you know, they may maybe they're in the next game, maybe they're not. But you know, when it comes to their to their whatever moves we've captured for them. Uh, entrance motions, anything like that. I mean, we always keep that in the game, you know, uh, for the most part. There are rarely, rarely there are exceptions. But we're always, you know, building upon what we did last. So, you know, we're very uh, hesitant to ever want to remove, you know, moves, you know, motions, whether it's entrances or anything like that. Because uh, I know, you know, our fans, you know, they, you know, they definitely they, they want to have that stuff in there. And, and, you know, and they should. I mean, it was in one game. It should be in the next, so. Yeah, uh, all those industries will still be there. That's awesome because you know, really, the, the meat and potatoes for for the game every year for me is is the creator wrestler, uh, the, the whole creation suite. Because you know, I'll go through the modes, you know, and, and I beat Attitude Era, and you know, and, and I'll I'll play you know through all the roads of WrestleMania or whatever. And then when I'm done, you know, I I focus on playing the universe, building my own brand, you know, and and I I do crazy stuff like you know relive. Uh, classic video games like Saturday Night Slam Masters. I literally, every year, I, I make the entire crew from Saturday Night Slam Masters and video game wrestlers, and I put them all in, in one big promotion and, and have fun with it. So that to me, that's the meat and potatoes. But when, when I think about the scope of the roster this year, I think what there's like close to 90 characters that are on the roster. Yeah. Then you've got the DLC. Then you've got the 100 
create a wrestler slots. It boggles my mind, man. We're talking over 200 wrestlers you're going to have in this game if you want them. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? I, I mean, like just just listening to you, you know, you know, you know, say these numbers. I'm just sitting here like, wow, yeah, we do have a lot this year. But uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, we have a ton. I mean, this is our. I mean, just our our roster this year is incredible. I mean, when you look at it, I mean, you know, you were mentioning what you do with your universe. I mean, I'm, I'm playing the game all the time at work, and uh, in my my universe, like I created because we have so many legends in the in the game this year. I've got a show that I've created with that I put all my legends on: Big John Stud, Andre the Giant, Ric Flair. I've got all these guys on this one show, and I created a pay per view with a where the, the current guys invaded their show. So I've got all the, the current the recent stars uh, in this invasion for these for these legends. Uh, so, I mean, it's great. I mean, that's the whole point of Universe and, like, all these creative modes is, as you said, to, to just let players kind of create their own experience, you know, because like, cause once you get through with the single-player campaign, you've had your feel of, you know, playing with the, the, the regular default guys. You know, then it's time for you to start having and create your own fun. And I think our our game does a really good job of allowing players to do just that. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, let me ask you this: If you had to pick one feature that really stood out this year, that would make or break buying this game, what do you think it would be? Oh man, oh man, jeez. Uh, you want just you want my personal Absolutely. answer on this? Or? Absolutely, your personal your personal opinion on it. All right. Uh, uh, well, uh, I would say the streak mode, which is a new mode that we've added to the game this year. It uh, it actually resides within the 30 years of WrestleMania mode. I I have a bias towards this mode though, because it was uh, you know, it was my it was my design, and, and I kind of pushed to get this to get this in. But also at the same time, like I'm a, I'm someone who plays this game that's constantly looking for you know, that really, really tough challenge. Uh, because I'm, I'm good at the game. Like, I mean, I don't say that to brag or anything, but because I work on it, like, I just, I'm, I, just I, I really am able to put, and put in a situation in the match where I kind of have that fear of losing. So for me, I enjoy playing the streak, uh, specifically the match Defeat the Streak, where you've got to, you know, take a superstar, any superstar, and uh, and you're tasked with defeating The Undertaker at WrestleMania, uh, it's an incredible match because Undertaker is a freaking beast, as he should be at WrestleMania. And uh, the AI that has been programmed for him is specifically for this match. He's super, super tough, and he's able to uh, perform, you know, a whole bunch of, uh, for lack of a better word, I, I've kind of dubbed it like these psychological mind games that he can use to kind of get back into the match if, in the off chance, you actually start to get over on him and starts to, you know, get him down to where he's close to getting defeated. Uh, one example is uh, he'll do a finisher on him, and the lights in the arena will go out, and then when they come back on, he'll be standing right behind you, on with the finisher. So it's like one of those things you kind of have to try to avoid, or he's going to try to get the finisher and grab you. Uh, but another one that he does that's probably my personal favorite is uh, if you try to pin him or attack him on the ground, he'll actually be able to grab you and pull you into his Hell's Gate submission or he'll grab you by the throat and then stand up and then do a choke slam. <laughs> oh, that's you. awesome. So you have all this, so you have all these things that you have to kind of survive in order to actually get the one, two, three on Undertaker. And Jeff, let me tell you, man, when you manage to defeat him, oh my God, does it feel so it feels so good. 
it's the most satisfying win you'll probably get in the game. And uh, in the match, it's, you know, you're given a score at the end uh, based on how well you did, and you can then upload that score online uh, to kind of show the world that, hey, I beat Undertaker, and this is how this is the score that I got. Uh, so I love that. That's I, I play that probably more than anything uh, in the game. Uh, but again, that's just me personally. I mean, obviously, for most people, they're jazzed to get their hands on a 30 years of WrestleMania mode, and they won't be disappointed in the least. If any, if you guys, if anyone out there listening to me, if you if you enjoyed Attitude Era, you are gonna you are gonna just love and eat up what we did with uh, 30 years of WrestleMania. It is, it's it's better in, in every single way. Um, and that's not the slight Attitude Era because Attitude Era was good too. But we've taken you know the lessons learned from that mode and applied them to, to 30 years of WrestleMania and. It's incredible. Was that long-winded enough? I feel like I'm talking for for, for hours here. No, no, that was great. And I actually figured you were going to bring up the streak because I know that you're a big fan of the Undertaker, and I knew we haven't touched we we hadn't touched upon that. And I kind of I kind of felt you were going that direction, so I'm glad you brought that up. But uh, the thing that, that I love about the streak mode is that it's like fighting a classic boss from an old video game. Yep, that is it exactly. That's exactly what we were all going for. Is that this is what's separate? Because I mean, obviously, you know, most people probably you know, when they heard about the streak, they're like, "Well, I don't get it. How is that any different from me just going to exhibition and competing against the Undertaker?" Uh, and so that was our goal: was to not only, you know, of course, we added the special abilities that he can do, uh, the you know, in, you know, increased difficulty that he has. But yeah, I mean, from the beginning, like when I was you know working with Ukes on this, I, I I explained that to them just as you did. I said, "Look, I want this to be presented as like a boss fight." You know, this is like the end of the game, the toughest guy in the game. You know, he's going to throw everything at you. You've got to try to survive it to eventually get that, you know, to beat him and get the win. So, yeah, you're spot on with that. It, it, was, it, it was designed to, to play and feel like a boss fight. Well, we've all had that one guy in a video game who he kills you. Man, reset, kills you again, reset. And you get obsessed with sitting yeah. there for hours. I've done it. I've, I can't hit the power button until I beat this guy. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, that's going to... And to think you can do it with any superstar you want, so you can do it over and over again with a different guy and a different moveset. So it's really a exactly. different, different boss fight every time. Yep. Uh, and you can use, you know, of course, your critic superstars as well. Wow. Uh, and we've got some cool unlockables, uh, too. Um, like, if you, you know, take a superstar that's actually faced Undertaker uh, at WrestleMania before... Like uh, like Kane, for example, if you you know if you defeat Undertaker with Kane, then you'll unlock some cool uh, archive photos from their two previous WrestleMania matches, uh, WrestleMania 14 and WrestleMania 20. Um, well, the 20 or yeah, 20. Yeah. So it yeah, it's, it's it's a really fun mode. It really is. And for anyone out there who's, who's listening to me thinking that oh man, they probably just made it so he reverses everything, that is not the case. Uh, you definitely are able to get your licks in. Uh, we didn't want to make make it hard based simply on the fact that he reverses all of your attacks because that's no fun. And that is just frustrating. It's kind of like borderline cheating. Uh, so you're definitely going to be able to get your licks in on him. But, you know, it becomes kind of an endurance. He's got higher durability than you, and you just kind of have to, you know, almost play a perfect game to uh, to get him down. So you'll definitely feel in the fight. If you lose, you'll feel that it was more you that resulted in the loss than, than the AI you know, cheating some kind of way. Wow, man. I, you know what? I can't wait till next week 
Next Tuesday, I'm picking this thing up. I can't wait to play it. I actually told my boss I'm taking the day off. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be sitting at home playing WWE 2K14 all day before I do this show. In fact, I might be playing it when I do this show next week. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, you might see me online that same day. <laughs> well, you know, I have to uh, I have to play you a couple times, man. But uh, before I let you go, Brian, real quick, uh, you know, Hell in a Cell this Sunday. Who's yeah. going over, man? You think Daniel Bryan's going to take it back, or is the corporate champion Randy Orton going to going to reign supreme? I, uh, you know, I think based on WWE's last couple of pay per views that have been kind of downers as far as you know, sending the fans home a little kind of miffed at the outcome. I think WWE is going to do what's right, and they're going to they're going to have Daniel Bryan go over clean. He's going to be the WWE champion. They'll end the pay per view on a happy note. I think Shawn Michaels, like he said, is going to play it right down the middle. Um, at least that's what I hope. Either way, even if Orton wins, I'll be fine with that. As long as there aren't any, you know, uh, shenanigans, you know, let's just have these guys do what they do. Because these guys, they've got great chemistry together. They, they can put on a really, really great match. Just they don't need any, any of the extras. So let the guys go out there and let them just do what they what they do best and as long as as long as there's a winner at the end, I'll be happy. But I am I am pulling it for uh, for Brian. I am too. I just I have this funny feeling like it's going to go the opposite way, and Orton is going to get it. I, I really don't think Brian's getting that belt back to WrestleMania. I, I you know I want to believe he's going to, but I think putting him over at WrestleMania is going to be so much bigger. Uh, but we'll see if that happens. Uh, you know, what do you think about the return of John Cena? Yeah, you know it's funny. I'm just going to ask you the same thing. Uh, I don't know. I think uh, they've done. A, they've obviously WWE. They've done a really good job of, uh, of saving his return for the pay per view, and and those like video packages they've done uh, to kind of you know hype his return have been really really cool. Uh, but I don't know. Like the commentators keep mentioning the fact about how is he coming back too soon? Is his arm is it, is it, is it healed up? So I'm thinking maybe. Ah, it's not. It's never going to happen. But maybe Del Rio does kind of you know exploit that that weakness, and, they, and the whole story of the match is. You know, John Cena came back a little bit too soon. Uh, the real targets that arm and maybe gets this tapped out. No, there's no way Cena's going to tap out to that. No, I, I don't nah, see it happening. I don't see it happening. No, nah, Cena's winning. Wait a minute. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Cena's going to win. <laughs> you know, I mean, a lot of people are speculating that Cena wins, but he the, the damage is done to the arm, and maybe Damian Sandow comes down and cashes in. I don't see Damian Sandow beating John Cena. I just don't see it happening. No, me neither. Not at all. Not so, at all. They, yeah, poor, uh, poor Damien. When's the last time he won a match? That you know what? That money in the brief, uh, the money in the bank briefcase is a curse. If you hold it, you don't yeah. win any matches, man. It just never happens. Yeah, that is true. That is true. And I like Damien too, you know. But you know, we'll see. I'm sure he'll get some attention again, you know, here within the next couple of months. It kind of just seems to be the case where sometimes like guys just start losing for for no apparent reason, and all of a sudden they're kind of thrust back into uh, a prominent, you know, at least mid-card role or secondary role where they can, you know, they've got something to sink their teeth into. So hopefully that's the case for Damien because uh, I like him a lot. Uh, he's, he's a good, he's a, he's a, he's a good talent. I yeah, like Ziggler, him. Ziggler's another guy. Yeah. Yeah. That, I don't understand that at all. Well, you know. I, the, I love, I love watching him, him work. The, the big rumor about him is that they just don't see money in him. They don't they don't want to give him a push because they don't think he's going to draw money. I, my Here's my complaint. If you don't give the guy a chance, how do you know he can't draw money? Yep, I was going to say the same thing. It's like if, if they feel that's true, at least you know give him, give him a fair shake at it. 
You know, give him a fair opportunity to, to try to, I mean, the thing is, I mean, he's, he's already over to a large extent. You know what I mean? Even just, just based on his in-ring ability alone. You know, he comes out, I mean, people just want to cheer for this guy. So give him an honest go and see. And if, and if, he, and if he falls on his face, then hey, you can say, hey, we told you so, but give him a chance, you know. Yeah. I think he's got it in him. I really do. I do too, and I'd like to see something happen to him, but I, I don't know. I, I just feel like he's going to be that guy that's going to be bumping for everybody else, you know. He's, you know, it, it seems to me like his job is to, you know, lay on the, do all the bumps and lay on the, the mat and look at the ring lights, you know. It's, it just it bothers me. It really does. He's so talented. I want to see him uh, be a top superstar. I know. He's ultra talented. Uh, he, he's, he's an awesome guy too, you know. Uh, he's done mocap work for us in the past back when he was in developmental. And he's, he's a great guy. He really is. And, and I remember back in 2000, I think it was 2008, uh, he came down and did some, some mocap work for us. I can talk about him because I already mentioned he's done mocap with the past with us. Okay. But uh, just seeing him in the ring, like during lunch, just you know mixing it up and kind of going through the motions with uh, his tag partner at the time, Mike Mondo, uh, another guy from the Spirit Squad. Uh, they were just you know in the ring at lunch, just kind of just you know messing around, doing some stuff and and they both just looked fantastic, and I saw him, and man, like, this guy is, is awesome. And he wasn't doing anything, you know, quote-unquote fancy. He was just, you know, if I can see somebody work a side headlock and, get in, and I can be invested in that, like, wow, like, that's there's side headlocks, and then there's a side headlock. Like, that looks, like, legit. And, and he's got that. He, he's amazing. He's amazing. He really is. I just wish that somebody in that company would uh, open their eyes and realize it, but... Maybe they will in time. Who knows? I think so. I think so. Because well, at the end of the day, Jeff, you know what? Talent cannot be denied, right? That's true. That's at the end of the day, talent always the cream always rises to the to the crop, to the top. Yep. So, yep. well, man, I want to thank you for coming on. But before you go, tell everybody how they can reach you on the Twitter. Oh yes, my uh, I'm like an absentee Twitter landlord. Uh, I've been checking it a lot more often recently uh but i can be reached uh at true b will that's true t-r-u-b-w-i-l-l well, very cool man we'll definitely keep in touch with you can i get a quick liner for the show i had one before and then that was with the cause cast and since then obviously i'm not with them anymore and i've I've lost the other liner so i just want to get another liner yeah of course of course okay uh let me see what can i do what can i do uh hey what's up everybody this is Brian Williams, senior game designer at 2K Sports, and you're listening to SNS Radio Network with my man, Jeff Jackson. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. And I look forward to talking to you. I'll keep, I'll keep in touch on the social networking, and uh, it was good to have you on, man. I look forward to talking with you again in the future. Always a fun time to talk to you, man. Yeah, likewise, man. Thank, thanks, for having me, thanks for having me on yet again. Uh, and before I go, for anyone out there, just gotta, I got to put this out there. Otherwise, Jamie, Jamie Jensen is going to get on me. Uh, WWE 2K14 out next Tuesday, October 29th. Xbox 360 and PS3. Go get that. Oh, you ain't got to tell people. They're going to go in droves. You guys are going to have a hit on this one, <laughs> like I can tell you. All right, man. Well, thanks for stopping by, and I will talk to you soon. All right, man. Thank you. All right. Have a good night. All right. You too, brother. Take care. All right. There you go, All guys. Right. Brian Williams, senior designer at 2K Sports, talking about WWE 2K14. Again, I am psyched. I'll be picking this thing up next week. Can't wait. Taking the day off. I don't even know if there'll be a show next week. I mean, if there is, I'll be playing the damn game, and Bronx will be running the board probably. Mark my <laughs> words, that's probably going to happen. 
Bronx is not going to have a fun time. Hey, JJ, did you hear me? No, I'm too busy playing 2K14, man. Sorry. <laughs> and I said this, I think I said it last year, too. It's great that the guy who's really has a lot of you know stake in designing this game is really a wrestling fan. Oh, he's a huge wrestling fan. And, you know, we didn't really discuss it, but Brian is so into the independence. That's why a lot of the moves that are going to be DLC or that are in the game, even from last year, um, I was looking over the DLC moves for this year, and, and the package pile driver that Kevin Steen does is now in it. Over the last couple of years, they've tried to have that uh, move in the create a move section, and for some reason, I think it was last year they finally got it in, but now that move is actually in the game. He is a independent wrestling super fan. So, you know, Brian tries to get those moves in each and every time they do a new iteration of the game. So, yeah, he's a super cool guy, great wrestling, uh, very much a wrestling fan. Love talking to him. No, he's a good guy, no doubt. All right. Well, you know what, man? We got a lot to talk about tonight, and I think we're going to start things off with our first break of the night. We're going to come back, and we're going to jump into uh, this day in wrestling and then uh, talk some Raw before we jump to our main event tonight, which will be Jesse the Body Ventura talking about the JFK assassination. With that being said, I want to thank Brian Williams from 2K Sports for stopping by and giving us the 411 on 2K14. That being said, you're listening to the SNS Radio Network. We'll be right back with more Unplugged right after this. Fourth pack is back, cause I'm mass destruction. Guess who's see the bad boys are wrestling. Testing competition when the war does the mission. Not no mercy. Lex Luger, you are on SNS. Don't miss it. Don't turn your back on the wolf pack. Don't turn your back on the wolf pack. You might wind up in a body bag. Hey guys, JJ Sexay here. Are you looking for the latest news in both professional wrestling and mixed martial arts? Well, check out www.wrestling-online.com. Sign up for one of the longest-running newsletters in professional wrestling over 16 years. And just like Wrestling News Live, it's absolutely free. Join over 27,000 other subscribers, wrestling-online.com. You will learn to pronounce my name properly. Wrestling dash online dot com. Alright, the time is now. Hey there, old school wrestling fans. This is your personal ring announcer, Sean Beckerman here, reminding you to download the Pro Wrestling Nostalgia podcast known as Beyond the Bell each and every week on the SNS 
Radio Network. You know that I'm the cream of the crop. From WCW, ECW, WCCW. The cream of the crop. Back to the NWA, AWA, World Wrestling Federation, to now WWE, we cover it all. Famous Feuds, our 101 series, The Horseman Files, Old School Music, Greatest Managers, Tag Teams, Promos, you name it, Beyond the Bell covers it. Just stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun. So tune in each and every week on the SNS Radio Network and go old school with Beyond the Bell. What you gonna do when the largest arms in the world in Hulkamania destroys you? Every week on the SNS Radio Network, enter a dimension of sight and of sound, of pro wrestling, of impact and SmackDown every Friday night at 10 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Mountain. Get in the zone right here on the SNS Radio Network with the Bronx Father covering all things Impact, all things SmackDown. Tune in, but be warned. Once you get in the zone, you can never get out. <laughs> One man had a vision that would change our world. Welcome to WrestleMania! A world where legends are born. Now, you can live those moments. Slam a giant. Climb the ladder. Go one-on-one with the great one. Retire a legend. Steal the show. Dethrone an icon. And keep the dead man's streak alive. Create a once-in-a-lifetime moment. Thirty years of WrestleMania. Now back to the show. 
and two guys with delusions of grandeur. The Bronx father, Tony J. Mirabella, and Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. Why do I have delusions of grandeur? What, what's up with that? Do, are, do you have delusions of grandeur, Bronx? Uh, not usually, no. Well, apparently we do now. Thanks, Har- thank Harmony for that. Wow. <sighs> See what happens when you ask the wife to do some liners? You get some crazy shit like that. But uh, it is what it is. I want, again, uh, fantastic interview with Brian Williams talking some 2K14 in the last segment. And, man, we ain't done yet. We still got a long way to go and a short time to get there. So without wasting any more time, it's time to grab Mr. Fusion, open up the door to the DeLorean, talk to Sean Beckerman, and go back in time for this day in wrestling history. Go up, old school fans, as it is time to hop in that DeLorean to go old school to rewind and relive all things retro in wrestling, courtesy of the Beyond the Bell podcast here on the SNS Radio Network. We present this day in wrestling history, October 22nd, the year 2000. WWF No Mercy was held in Albany, New York. In the main event, Kurt Angle defeated The Rock in a no-disqualification match to win the WWF Championship. Kurt Angle would make history six years later as well on this date in 2006. Bound for Glory was the first TNA pay-per-view to be held outside of the Impact Zone or the Asylum being held in Plymouth, Michigan. As a result, it smashed the TNA pay-per-view attendance record with 3,600 fans turning out, though the record has since been broken. In the main event, Sting defeated Jeff Jarrett with Kurt Angle as the special guest enforcer to win the NWA world title. Had Sting lost, he would have been forced to retire. Two historic moments brought to you by the Olympic gold medalist and TNA Hall of Famer Kurt Angle, six years apart on the same day in wrestling history. It's time for our main event for the prestigious NWA World Heavyweight title belt. The special enforcer for the main event, Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle. The following contest is a career versus title heavyweight championship title bout. When the bell rings, the man in charge, TNA official, Mr. Rudy Charles. And now, ladies and gentlemen, introducing the combatants. First of all, standing in the corner to my left, he weighed in this morning at 258 pounds and comes to us from Venice Beach, California. He is the number one contender for the NWA Heavyweight Championship of the World. 
this is Stan! And now, ladies and gentlemen, introducing, standing in the corner to my right, he weighed in this morning at 235 pounds and is the current reigning and defending NWA heavyweight champion of the world, the king of the mountain, Jeff Jarrett. Pointed right at the chest of Wait a minute, Jared! Jared, Jared got to get But look at this! Remember to catch your Pro Wrestling Nostalgia Podcast Beyond the Bell each and every week on the SNS Radio Network. For this day in wrestling history, Sean Beckerman signing off until next week. Stay old school, my friends. And I have to say, uh, with a tear in my eye, that was when I enjoyed watching TNA Wrestling uh shortly after that things just kind of started to slide down the hill and i i think that they've slid a long way since that point but um wow uh, you know I, I appreciate that sean beckerman put that together this week because again it made me realize what i liked about tna back in the day and and it is definitely a different product now and i know there's a lot of diehard fans out there that will probably say well i don't I don't agree with that, and that's fine. You're, t- you're all entitled to your opinion. I'm not staying subscribed to mine. I don't care if you do or not. But for me personally, what I just heard was what I enjoyed about TNA Wrestling. Uh, even Jeremy Borash doing the ring announcing back then was pretty cool, but it's a completely different product today. Yeah, I mean, you know, you go back to even Sunday, and, and Kurt Angle actually, I guess we can't say he's a TNA Hall of Famer because he turned it down. And that was something like I was like, the fuck okay didn't they induct him on saturday night though yeah but he refused it he refused it sunday he officially turned it down well then okay and that's and i haven't said anything about this because i didn't watch the pay-per-view i did listen to you guys on Sunday night showdown let me say that the three of you guys did a great job and you were very positive on the product um but i mean why is kurt angle going to make a mockery of their hall of fame by rejecting it i mean couldn't he have said i don't know when they said, hey, we're going to induct you in the Hall of Fame, sorry, I'm not interested. I just think that, you know, that was kind of a stupid move. I mean, just my opinion here, but pretty stupid, don't you think? 
Well, what it was was he said, basically, oh, I still have feel like I need to accomplish more before. So I guess he didn't take that as him crapping on it, but still. And then they handed him what looked like, I don't know if it was a watch or what. It wasn't even a ring. And he put it back in the little black box and said, no, there's more I want to accomplish first. And he basically turned it down. Uh, to each their own, I guess. To each their own. Anyway, but good little segment by Sean Beckerman each and every week right here on SNS Unplugged. You're going to hear Stay in Wrestling History. If you want to hear more of that, make sure you check out Beyond the Bell every week here on the SNS Radio Network, one of the best nostalgia podcasts. If you're a wrestling fan and you long for the old days, for yesteryear, this is the podcast you want to listen to. So, again, check it out each and every week right here on the SNS Radio Network. With that being said, Bronx, we need to transition, and we need to transition quick. Let's talk about what happened last night on Monday Night Raw. That's right. It's time for the Raw Reaction. All right, everyone. Our go-home show before Hell in a Cell. Monday Night Raw starts out from Memphis, Tennessee, the home of Jerry the King Lawler. Triple H and Stephanie are in the ring, and they show Brad Maddox being knocked out by the Big Show on SmackDown, and he's out of commission for a while. They run down the matches for Hell in a Cell, and Triple H talks about how much he respects Shawn Michaels and how the only person he treats with disdain is the Big Show. Big Show somehow appears on the Titantron and says Triple H treats everyone with disdain because he can. Triple H says Show is a loser. Big Show says, maybe you're mad because I'm suing you or you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Considering who you're sleeping next to, every side is the wrong side of the bed. Stephanie cuts the Big Show off. We start off with our first match, Daniel Bryan versus Dean Ambrose. Unimaginable match once again between these two. Just brilliant. And Dean Ambrose ends up tapping out to the yes lock. CM Punk comes out and talks about his match this Sunday against Ryback and Paul Heyman. And they'll be locked in the cage. There'll be nowhere for Paul Heyman to go. Ryback will not be able to save him. And Sunday, only one man will walk out. And you best believe it'll be me. Triple H has Vicky in charge tonight to handle what he says are the little things. And says there's a lot going on. Shawn Michaels comes in the back. They hug. And he says, why do you think Brian can't be champ? Triple H says, we're not a wheatgrass company. And Sean says, some people said the same thing about you and I. Triple H is talking about how he can't figure out how the big show got on the screen. And HBK says, I know things around here have changed. It's a shame, but I still haven't grown up, so I'm going to go have some fun. Santino, Hornswoggle, and Kali all come out dressed as Elvis. This was quite humorous, actually. Santino versus Heath Slater. Heath Slater ends up losing via the Cobra. And then Santino and Jerry Lawler dance on the announce table. Again, pretty funny. Randy Orton versus Dolph Ziggler. Uh, Orton dominates for most of this match. He tries for an RKO, but Dolph reverses it by with a drop kick. But, of course, Dolph Ziggler ends up losing via RKO. Tamina and AJ Lee versus the Bellas. And Tamina's basically kicking everybody's butt until the Bellas manage to get the win. Brie Bella pins AJ Lee. 
Paul Heyman is cutting this insane promo. I don't know what Paul was on, coffee, something. He had a lot of caffeine in him. He calms down and says he's cold and calculated, and the same way he used to control Punk, he now controls Ryback. I'm not locked in a cell with Punk. Punk is locked in a cell with me. Now, during this, Biggie Langston comes up, and he starts talking crap to Curtis Axel, and Curtis Axel actually challenges Big E to a match tonight. Rowan and Harper versus The Miz and Kofi Kingston. The Wyatts dominate most of the match until The Miz gets tagged in and gets some offense. The Wyatts win via a savage clothesline to Kofi Kingston. Harper keeps beating up Kofi and The Miz tries for the save, but all three beat down The Miz. And Bray cuts a promo about life after death and wants to convince Miz that hell is a real thing and I will lead you to the gates. We're supposed to have Biggie Langston versus Curtis Axel next, but Heyman and Ryback come out as well and they all attack Big E. Biggie's holding his own. Heyman hits him with a kindo stick, which does nothing. CM Punk comes out for the save with a kindo stick of his own and Vicky makes this a tag team match. So it's now CM Punk with Big E versus Ryback and Curtis Axel. Ryback dominates Punk for a while until Big E Langston gets tagged in. Punk takes out Ryback and Big E gets the pin on Curtis Axel with the big ending. The Real Americans versus Tons of Funk with Zeb Coulter on commentary and he's constantly complaining about getting gored by El Torito on SmackDown. Brodus gets the spin from Cesaro and ends up tapping to the Patriot Lock. Zeb pulls out a bullwhip and says it's now his new little friend. We find out that in the pre-show this Sunday, Curtis Axel will defend the Intercontinental title against Biggie Langston. We see a promo from SmackDown by Alberto Del Rio, and he says, After Cena loses to me, he'll be like all these gringos, a nobody. And poor Josh Matthews gets taken out with the cross arm breaker. The Usos versus The Shield for the number one contendership for the tag team titles and the Rhodes are on commentary. Basically, everything breaks down. Everyone starts fighting with everybody. And the faces persevere and are all standing victorious in the ring together. And we find out at Hell in a Cell that a triple threat tag team match has been made for the titles between Rhodes, The Usos, and The Shield. Now... Triple H and Stephanie come out for the contract signing. When everybody's out, including Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton, and HBK, Orton says, yeah, I have to give credit where it's due. Bryan, I've been beating you up every week, and you keep getting up, but not this Sunday. I've survived The Undertaker, I've beaten Sheamus, and John Cena in the cell, so you have no idea what you're getting into. And your first Hell in a Cell match will be your last, and Randy Orton signs the contract. Daniel Bryan says if it wasn't for Stephen Triple H, he'd be champion. He expects idle threats. Triple H now says something very interesting that guys like Chris Jericho, Edge, and RVD all came and went. They were top guys, they were popular, but they were never the one. If any of those guys had been the faces of WWE, we'd all be working for Ted Turner right now. So Brian says, well, why don't you put on your wrestling gear and show me how good you really are? And Triple H says, no, I only get in the ring 
when it's a big deal and you're not a big deal. Triple H says Shawn Michaels shouldn't have wasted his time training Daniel Bryan and HBK gets a little upset. He says, I trained him and he's good, very good. What happened to you, Triple H? You and I drove a tank into WCW. We played strip poker on the air. What happened? I don't care if you're the COO and I don't care that I trained Bryan. These people voted for me to guarantee there'd be a new WWE champion and there will be. And Triple H says, I have no doubt you'll do what's right. Uh, HBK says, what do you have against Brian? Yeah, he's small. He has an insanely gross beard. But because he marches to the beat of a different drum, that's what's upsetting you? Or is it after everything you put him through, he still proved you wrong? Now, something really crazy happens. Kind of Stone Cold-esque, the big show drives this the cab of some type of big rig out to the ring and this distracts everybody Randy Orton attempts to attack Daniel Bryan but Big Show screams watch out and Randy Orton eats a knee from Daniel Bryan and he and the Big Show celebrate on this big truck to end Monday Night Raw so there's your go home show to Hell in a Cell guys now react to that Well, wow, I was just wrapping my head around the fact that Shawn Michaels and Triple H drove a tank into WCW together. I think that Shawn Michaels wasn't on that ride, but okay. Really? He wasn't? No, he was not. That and was it, it was it was Billy Gunn, it was Road Dog, it was Pac. I think China was there, and it was Triple H. Michaels was not there. This was after Michaels had left after dropping the belt the Stone Cold. So he was healing up and was gone from the company. My bad. I could have swore Sean said last night, we drove that tank. Perhaps he told Triple H, you drove that tank. That's so. what, yeah, that's what he said. He said, you drove the tank. And he said, but we stripped on, you know, we, we showed up on Raw almost naked, you know. So wah, wah, wah. My bad. Hey, it happens, bro. It's all good. It's all good. You know, I do want to say something about last night's Raw. And, and we've talked about this a couple times over the, the course of the last few weeks. I really feel like they have handicapped Daniel Bryan. Uh, and, and I don't understand why they're doing this, but I, I kind of feel like they're not confident in him to be the guy that can do this on his own, that they have to insert the Big Show. Because to me, Big Show is stealing his fucking face heat. This thing that they're doing with Big Show and Stephanie and Triple H is completely running over the whole Bryan thing. And, you know, no offense to Big Show because I like Big Show. But the guy's been in the business for 20 years. He really doesn't need a, a huge push. And we've got Daniel Bryan, who's just kind of stuck in the middle. You know, it's like that, that song, Stuck in the Middle with You. He's just there. He's supposed to be the face of the company. He's supposed to be the WWE champion. He's the guy that beat John Cena. And he's being relegated, in my opinion, to being second to the big show. Does anybody else see a problem here? Because I do. Well, I think it's, you know, part of the promos they cut on him have some bases in reality. Maybe that really is how they feel. You know, that he just can't, which to me is ridiculous because, look, I've never ran a wrestling promotion. I'm not trying to tell Vince McMahon how to do his job. But... 
I would base my how I treat a guy on the crowd reaction. You know, the problem I think in wrestling is a lot of promoters and bookers make the mistake of what do I think? And it might have it might have been Jim Cornette who said this. It doesn't matter what you think, you idiot. It's what the fans think. If the fans love the guy and you're not fully behind him, who cares? You're selling tickets. I just don't get it either. I, I, I hear what you're saying, and you're right. I don't get it. I don't, I don't know, man. I, I just, I kind of feel like it's, it's just gotten to the point where it's, uh, he's being handicapped. Uh, you know, they don't, it's just like the Dolph Ziggler thing. Well, we don't think he draws money. Well, how do you know he doesn't draw money if you don't give him the opportunity to draw the money? You know, I mean, with Shawn Michaels involved in this angle, he's the guy that trained him. I mean, my God, what? how much better of a teacher do you need than Shawn Michaels? You know, that was the one thing I loved last night was when Triple H made the comment, you know, hey, uh, Shawn Michaels wasted his time with you. And then Shawn, you know, kind of, wait, wait a second now. This kid's got talent. He's damn good. I really enjoyed that part of the, the, the feud, but I just, I don't know, man. I almost feel like they're setting up for a big swerve screw job at, at the pay-per-view. As long as we have a winner, I don't care who wins, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be Orton. I just hope it's not HBK turning heel and joining the McMahons, you know, and, and Triple H, because I just don't think that that would work. And, I mean, you know, people keep talking about, oh, they're going to, possibly have a match between Shawn Michaels and Triple H at WrestleMania 30. I'll believe it if it happens, or I'll believe it when I see it if it happens. I don't think that's the direction that they're going in, but it wouldn't surprise me to see those two kind of break off and feud between the two. What did you think about Triple H's comments about guys like, uh, you know, Edge and, and Jericho and, and RVD? We'd have all been working for Ted Turner now. Now, I, do I believe Triple H really believes that? Absolutely not. But what do you think even the con- in the context of a work about those comments? Well, and that's the thing. I mean, is it a work? You know, I, it's almost hard to tell these days because it's like they want to work every five minutes. I know that I was going to talk about this in the news segment, but Jericho, um, you know, had some really harsh comments on Twitter and basically said that, you know, Hunter was one of those guys as well. And he's right. I mean, when you think about it, he's right. And, and even Hunter, to a degree, is right. Look, I love Edge more than the next guy. Love Jericho. And Jericho was the first undisputed champion, mind you. But Chris Jericho was never the guy. Edge was never the guy. RVD was never the guy. I just think of all those pairings, RVD doesn't fit. But Edge and Jericho were top baby faces and top heels in their own right, but were still not the guy. Triple H was the guy that feuded with the guy. So Triple H was not the guy either. The only guy that can make that claim that he's the guy is exactly John Cena right now. He's the guy. The Rock was the guy. Stone Cold was the guy. Hogan was the guy. Savage was the guy. Those are the guys. Triple H was not that guy. I'm sorry. He just wasn't. I'm not saying he's not a superstar and he's not an important cog in the machine and that anything he's done is being, you know, thrown to the wayside because he's had some great accomplishments, but he wasn't the guy. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You know, I just think 
I don't know how much I, I give to what Jericho said. I, it almost makes you wonder now, too. Again, you talk about what's a work, what's a shoot. Is he working? Is he, does this make sense? Recognizing Triple H might be working, so let me work, too, to help him out. Well, and, and, uh, and, and, and here's, here's the thing, Brox. Triple H is the guy that signed Jericho to the short-term deal when he's come back, and he's done a stint here and then a stint here. Triple H was the guy that made that contract. So when I hear stuff like Triple H making that comment, and then let's think a couple months back when Edge was on the roster, he showed up to promote Haven, and Triple H you know, pretty much shat on him in the middle of the ring you know, and then threw him out. It makes me think, obviously, it is a work, and they're going somewhere with this. You know, Jericho even had tweeted so much as, bye-bye, WWE, I got better things you know, to do now or something. Again, I don't know if it's a work or not. It just seems like it probably is based on the fact that, you know, Triple H is the guy, the guy that signed that guy to a deal, you know, and Edge was the guy that got thrown out by the guy that didn't ever beat a guy, you know what I'm saying? So I think that guy is that guy. This this show should be called that guy, but it's not going to be. Um, I don't know. Just going off on a tangent here. I, I think it's a work. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think there's any real tension there. Triple H said what he said to get heat, uh, to make the crowd, you know, <coughs> make the crowd boo him. I don't I don't have any um, any doubt in my mind that it's a work. It's an angle. It's nothing serious. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I'm not mad at him for doing it. He's the, the other problem is. When you have Triple H and Stephanie both grab a mic at the same time during a segment, I hate to say it, but as far as being a heel, Steph outshines him. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I think Triple H, I've always liked him as, as a babyface, but he could be a pretty good damn heel. But, I mean, Stephanie is just, I, to me, I do think she's the better heel there. You're right. Well, see, I see it the other way around. I've always liked Triple H better as a heel, but that's me. I mean, you know, everyone has their preferences. I liked when my favorite was when he was by himself, no DX, just going out, killing people with sledgehammers, keeping the title, and reminding everyone that if you're not in the business to win this belt, you shouldn't be in the business. That was my favorite variation of Triple H's character. But, you know, everyone's different. No doubt, no doubt. But, I mean, it is shaping up to an interesting Hell in a Cell this, uh, this Sunday. And we'll be, we will be covering it on pay-per-view. I've decided I'll go ahead and get it. Mark the Shark called me and wanted to know if he could come over and, you know, pay Habsies on it. And so I said, yep, you know what, let's do it. But if they burn me on this one, I won't do the next one, that's for sure. So we'll see what happens. The band is back together. The band will officially be back together on Sunday. <laughs> it's been a while, but we are going to be back together, and hopefully everything goes well. But, uh, you know, we'll see. You know, they mentioned they mentioned this problem which is interesting when they mentioned their own screw-ups on the air of course it was planned that way when the shield is going up against um the usos and they're like wait a minute the usos already won the right to be number one contenders and they brought it up oh obviously you know they're they're triple h and steph are helping out the shield and all that i like it being a six-man tag i also like the fact that there was a lot of tag team action last night so, I mean, I have no problem with it. But, yeah, again, the announcers themselves said the logic there is a little screwy. Yeah, but here's the thing, right? I, you, you really can't take uh, the tag team division serious because, I mean, let, let's even go back a few years. I don't know how many times 
we've seen guys like Crime Time win number one contender, you know, matches for the for the title and never get a title shot. Same with uh, the Prime Time players. I think they won a couple and never got their shot. It's been it's been that way with the Usos. It, it's just it, it's for some reason they do this. I don't understand why. Maybe they just forget, or I, I don't know, but they do this a lot, and it bugs the shit out of me. You know, I, I'm I, I like tag team wrestling. Uh, to me, the championship belts are, are supposed to be defended. They're prestigious. And I, the tag team division is non-existent. I mean, right now with Goldust and Cody, I'm kind of liking it. You know, I think the Usos are very talented. And I could see them holding the belts at some point. So I hope that they get back on the emphasis of actually pushing a tag team division. And, you know, that they stop forgetting that certain teams are number one contenders to said titles. Now, with that said, I agree. I got to say this. Um, I know you're a Curtis Axel fan, and I am too. I, I don't dislike the guy, but I'm liking it's happening very quick, but I'm kind of liking this face push for Big E. Oh, Big E, I'm predicting right now, is walking away with the Intercontinental Championship this weekend. I think that the fact that John Cena is heavily behind the um, the escalation of Biggie Langston in the WWE, he's obviously very high on Biggie Langston, and that kind of goes a long way. If John Cena likes you, well, then you you probably are going to go somewhere. But I like Biggie Langston too, and I think that Curtis Axel as the Intercontinental Champion has floundered because they have just dropped the whole thing with Paul Heyman by inserting Ryback in there. Curtis Axel has been floundering like a like a dead fish. He's like that fish in the epic video, you know, for Faith No More. At the right. end, you know, the song is ending and the damn fish is flopping. It's dying. Yeah, yeah. You know, that to me, that's Curtis Axel with the Intercontinental title right now. He's just floundering. So they need something that's going to either build interest in Axel or that's going to lead to his ultimate, you know, uh, demise and, and release from the company. <laughs> so what I think is going to happen is that Biggie Langston is going to beat Curtis Axel. Paul Heyman probably won't even accompany him down to the ring because he's obviously going to be in a match with Ryback on the pay-per-view, and there's going to be dissension in the ranks. And it's going to lead to a face turn by Curtis Axel and probably a feud with Ryback. And, you know, who knows? If, if that doesn't work, if they can't get anything behind him, then I, I just don't know what they're going to do with Curtis Axel. I, I You know, maybe he'll be main event in TNA next year if they're still around. Fuck, I don't know. Oh. If, if something doesn't change for the kid, I, I don't think he's going to be around long. And I think that sucks because I like him. And I think he's got talent. He's not great on a microphone. But I think he's talented, and he could be somebody. But we'll see what happens. But I think that absolutely he's losing the strap. And Biggie Langston is going to pick up his first WWE championship uh, that's not NXT, you know, on the main roster. He's going to be the Intercontinental Champion. That's just, that's just my two cents. Yeah, and can we keep, for right now, Ryback and Biggie away from each other a little bit more? You know, I think that's a money match if they build up, you know, Big E the way I think they are. That's your money match. I wouldn't have even had him in the same ring last night. I just would love to see that. I, I would say even WrestleMania, but I don't think they have the patience to do that. But even main eventing something like, you know, Survivor Series or, or whatever the next pay-per-view is going to be, that's not a major pay-per-view. But I would love to see the two of them one-on-one -on -one in the main event try to keep them away from each other a bit more just looking in the chat room and ashley says new name for sticks and flicks that guy 
I can see it now. I mean, we should have named you that. I mean, that should have been the show. And now it's time for That Guy with Ashley Richardson right here on the SNS Radio Network. And I would have had the perfect theme for that. He's That Guy, Ashley Richardson. Why not? Wow. Stranger things have happened. So, overall, I mean... What's your letter grade for last night on Raw? I mean, it, to me, it wasn't that great a show, and and maybe it's because I just caught it in spurts, but it really didn't get my attention that much. I mean, other than the Shawn Michaels and and Brian stuff, I wasn't really into the show. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I watched it. I I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was a bad go home show. Uh, they did absolutely nothing but set up the pay per view, which is what you should do. And I mean. <clears throat> The wrestling was good. I'll tell you the truth. Maybe we see it different. I give it an A minus. I thought it was a. I thought it was a decent RAW. I'm gonna go like a a B minus. I just again, maybe it's just me. I and and I'll I'll be honest, folks. I did not. It was on in the background. I didn't pay that much attention to it last night. I had a lot of stuff to do uh, in preparation for tonight's show. Obviously, you've you've heard different sounders. I was literally like a mad scientist up until three o'clock in the morning putting stuff together and making this and making that. And I, I just, I was more focused on the task at hand and I just really wasn't drawn into raw last night. So I'm going to go B minus. Okay. I mean, all right. We're usually not that far apart, but you know what? It's okay. Uh, like I said, I, I thought it was all right. Uh, I'm liking what they're doing. I like the addition of the, the six man tag. I like the fact that, um, the IC title is going to be on the line, although it's the pre-show, which I know why they do it. But again, that title on the pre-show, you could have probably thrown that into the main pay-per-view. But I'll live with it. And yeah, I would be, it would give, I'll tell you one thing, it would make the pre-show more credible if Big E walked away with the title. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if they do it. Maybe they don't do it at the pre-show. Maybe Curtis Axel finds a way to... Uh, squeak out a win i just i don't see paul Heyman being in his corner because paul Heyman's got a match so i think based on that and the fact that we have seen him squeak out some wins on his own um i, I just don't think biggie langston is, is gonna lose I, I i just don't you know if biggie langston wins the match by a disqualification or something then obviously the belt doesn't change hands but i think regardless biggie langston goes over whether he wins the belt or not i see biggie doing something here and and i'm hoping Knock on wood. I'm hoping that Biggie Langston becomes the new Intercontinental Champion. Just, you know, again, I like Curtis Axel, but I think it's time to move on. I think we need to do something else with the belt. Yeah, and if you take the belt off him and Heyman, maybe Heyman, the best thing would be him not showing up. Where he loses the belt and, you know, Monday on Raw, Axel's like, you know, where were you? Ever since you've met with, you know, you've teamed up with Ryback, I've been a, a... secondary thought to you you told me you were going to take me to the promised land you told me you were going to make me a big star and ever since Ryback you haven't done a damn thing for me you know what to heck with you to heck with him maybe Ryback beats him up CM Punk saves him CM Punk helps give Axel a face push well I'll say this there there was one segment on the show last night that I, that I just forgot about that I just remembered and that was the Paul Heyman promo where he went ape shit nuts he was like Tony Little on crack <laughs> you know and i was like what in the fuck and and the funniest thing about that promo was that the feed that i had on my tv watching sportsnet 360 
the last couple of weeks, there's been something wrong with the audio. Like, it's almost like watching a Chinese movie because their lips aren't matching up when they're talking. And when Paul Heyman went nuclear, nothing was matching up. And it literally looked like an old Chinese movie where, you know, the guy was like, oh, you stole my rice paddy, you know, and the mouth is just moving and, you know, he's not talking. And then it's something like, you killed my father. You're going to die. And that's exactly what it looks like on my TV right now. I don't know what's going on with Sportsnet 360. But the last couple of weeks, I've had that problem. And when Paul Heyman was going apeshit nuts, it just was not matching uh, what he was doing. You know, the sound and the actions were just not there. And it was hilarious to watch. But I got to say, dude was like Tony Little on crack. And for those of you who don't know who Tony Little is, he's the guy that does the infomercials for the Gazelle. He's had Lanny Poffo on once, you know, one time. And Lanny Poffo's I once wrestled Andre the Giant, and I got body slammed by Andre the Giant, and it messed up my back for the rest of my life. And the gazelle is the greatest thing ever. And, yeah, so, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? You've seen those infomercials, right, Bronx? For the gazelle with Poffo? No. Yeah. I actually haven't. Maybe that's a Canadian thing. I don't know, man. But look up look up Tony Little and the gazelle and Lanny Poffo, and I guarantee you, you'll find something. I guarantee it. Oh, I tell you, I like Lava, Lava Flow, Hell in a Cell, CM Punk. I'm not locked in cage with you. You locked in cage with me. I kill you. Ryback kill you. We destroy. Was it like that? Something like that. I mean, that's kind of what it looked like. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be racist, you know, and, and please don't think that I am. I'm just, I'm basically saying that promo to me on my TV with the sound issues was like a Chinese movie, like a Kung Fu movie. I'm not being racist, you bastards. You need to call him on that. You know what else I found <clears throat> funny? And maybe it's because I'm a very, uh, my sense of humor is very immature. But I love the Santino thing with the Elvis, that he actually had the Elvis wig on the Cobra. I thought that was awesome. I know the IWC probably crapped all over it, but anytime I can sit there and laugh till my stomach hurts, they've done a job entertaining me. I thought that was great. Well, I think the funniest thing from that whole segment was, the great Kali trying to sing, and he says, so you ain't nothing but a round dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty uh, pretty messed up, round dog. And I know JBL was having a field day with it. He's a round dog. He's a round dog. What's up? What's up? Well, let's not get into that. We don't want to be here till 1 a.m. We've already told you our opinions on the commentary. We don't need to do it again. Yeah. But I will say, I like that move that Santino did, that, that type of, like, cobra out of nowhere, that was probably the coolest thing I've seen Santino do in a long time. Oh, that's saying a lot. Anyway, we've given our letter grades. You're going with an A. I'm going with a B minus. So it is what it is. That's our that's our raw reaction for this week on the show. Don't forget to check us out this weekend live on paper. Well, we won't be on pay per view, but live on pay per view, the WWE will be. But we might actually be more entertaining if we were live on pay per view. WWE will be live on pay per view this Sunday for Hell in the Cell, and we will be covering that show live on the internet right here at snsradionetwork.com, and you can check out our commentary that doesn't suck. And I guarantee you, you will not hear me say, it's Mr. and Mrs. Fandango, or what's up? You were right the first time. This is a pay-per-view, but kind of like TNA does eight times a year, we're giving it away for free. We're not giving nothing away for free. We're, we're doing the audio for free. Obviously, we're not streaming it. We don't do that kind of thing. Oh, God, I just got a sued. You know what I meant. Yeah, I want to make sure that you 
clarify that. No, we just give speculation and our thoughts on the match as it happens. It's legal. All right, guys, it's time to go ahead and run over some news of the week sponsored by our good friends over at wrestling-online.com. And now it's time for the news sponsored by wrestling-online.com. All right. You know, to start us off with the news of the week, ladies and gentlemen, Variety is reporting that Dwayne The Rock Johnson is likely to sign up for a new movie from New Line Cinema, which is entitled San Andreas. And no, folks, he's not starring in a Grand Theft Auto movie, so get that out of your head. San Andreas is a disaster flick, which is said to be also transformed into a possible franchise. The story is about a man who must journey across the state of California to rescue his estranged daughter after a massive earthquake strikes California. This will be Johnson's second movie with New Line after the two paired up to film Journey 2, The Mysterious Island, which if you haven't seen is actually pretty funny. The studio is already developing a third movie for the franchise. The Rock is quite busy and had a massive year this past year when it comes to movies and box office success. He's currently filming Hercules and will go straight to shoot Fast and Furious 7 as soon as his production in Hungary for Hercules wraps up. New Line hopes to start production in the, on the San Andreas movie in the first quarter of 2014. Rock has since basically confirmed the role on Twitter, so he will be in this movie called San Andreas, which is about an earthquake, which sounds pretty cool. Man, can the brother get some time off? No, man. The dude is a workaholic. That's why he doesn't need to come back to wrestling. He's a fucking workaholic, bro. See, and here's my thing. I don't mean this in, in a nasty way. I like disaster movies. I mean, I love, like, you know, those movies like uh, Armageddon and, and, you know, the one about the, uh, the day after tomorrow. This is very, I'll definitely see it. That sounds really cool. And, and the sad thing is this could really happen because we know all about, you know, California. So, yeah, rocking a disaster movie, I can go to see that. You know, though, I mean, everybody talks about the San Andreas fault line and, you know, the big one that's going to hit and it's going to knock California off into the ocean. I think right. the one that people really need to worry about is the, I think it's what the San Madrid, not San, it's the, fuck, the New Madrid fault line, which is in the middle of the country. It's, I think it reaches into Arkansas and uh, places around there. That's a major one. I mean, if anything ever happened there, I mean, there'd be some serious shit going down. Yeah, no doubt. But, I mean, man, this guy just doesn't stop. It's movie after movie. I mean, brother, take two months off. Jesus. Uh, Colt Cabana, a popular indie wrestler who worked for WWE briefly as Scotty Goldman and he is a big friend of CM Punk, will be trying out at NXT. Oh, he's already done this. Uh, to take on the role of a commentator, Cabana announced his tryout on Steve Austin's podcast where he was a guest. Cabana did commentary for WWE in the past, doing voiceovers for Florida Championship Wrestling, which was WWE's developmental territory, before it made way for NXT. <clears throat> he worked for WWE between 2007 and 2009, and even had his own WWE.com show called Good as Goldman, a show which only lasted a month as he was released in February of 2009. Let me say on a personal note, I hope that Colt Cabana gets a job with the company. He should have never been released from the company. The guy is entertaining as hell and deserves to be on the roster. 
Yeah, I'd agree. You know, I hope this leads to something. Well, let's hope. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, they've released so many guys in the past that I thought, you know, could have really kept going. And, you know, Matt Stryker, guys like that. It's like, you know, I, I just don't get it. Um, promoting Bound for Glory on the Big J radio show, soon to be TNA Hall of Famer. <laughs> Kurt Angle said that both TNA and WWE have been supportive of him. That's wrong of me to laugh. TNA and WWE have been supportive of him when he helped had personal issues and mentioned his latest stint in rehab enabling him to clear his head and physically get better. He also thanked WWE for picking up the tab for his rehab, saying that the WWE's rehabilitation program has been very good to him. Angle mentioned that he is happy at TNA right now, and when asked if he'd go to UFC, he said it's a bit too late now with him turning 45 in December. He said a few times that he had a UFC contract available, but they couldn't agree on a starting date. The funny thing about this comment from Kurt Angle is that Dana White, the president of UFC has said so many times that he and Kurt were never close to a contract and Kurt's full of shit. So, you know, again, I don't know who I believe there, but I think I'm leaning toward Dana White because why would Dana White say, no, I never offered him a contract? I mean, Dana White saw the box office with Brock Lesnar. Brock, whether you liked him or not, as an MMA talent, uh, you know, as a mixed martial artist, actually did bring in revenue for that company. He was a box office star. That's why they had him there. I'm not saying Kurt Angle could have been that, but I think Dana would have been willing to give him an opportunity based on the fact that Kurt Angle is a legitimate pro, uh, legitimate gold medalist in freestyle wrestling. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I've heard Dana White say in the past that he and Angle were never close to a contract. So, again, I just, I look at this with Kurt Angle just saying shit to put himself over. And, you know, I like Kurt Angle, but. Uh, at some point, man, you got to fucking let the fantasies of MMA shit go. It, it ain't going to happen. Well, I mean, here's here's the, the other thing that I gleaned out of this, and I mentioned this on SNS. I'd love your take on it. And I know a lot of people have told me I'm wrong, but if you owned a chain a chain of Burger Kings, and I worked for you and got injured on the job, and it was released in the papers a few weeks later that McDonald's came in and paid to take me to the hospital and help me with my injuries. Even though, let's say, McDonald's was morally obligated to do it because I worked for them before, wouldn't you be embarrassed? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, that's, that's the main, you know, look, if I was TNA, I would have told WWE, look, we got it, okay? We're going to pay for his rehab. He's our guy. Let us take care of it. I, I'm sorry. I still have a problem with that. I just have a problem with that. Even though you didn't have to pay and knew another company would just to, to you know, save face for yourself and, and say that you care about your superstars, I think TNA should have footed the bill. I just, that, that just, that's one of those little things in wrestling that gnaws at me. No, and I understand that. I understand your frustration there. But, I mean, WWE has said any past talents that have problems, they will pay for. That's just their policy. And, you know, Kurt Angle took advantage of it. So, you know, maybe the fact that he didn't uh, get inducted into the Hall of Fame and he denied it is, is you know, a solidarity thing. And, and maybe, you know, maybe he won't go in the TNA Hall of Fame. I don't know at this point. I mean, it, it's confusing to me that a guy that talks about how he loves TNA and all this and that would refuse to be inducted in the Hall of Fame after they built it up for that to happen. Unless, A, it's an angle or B... I just said angle involving angle. How does that happen? Uh, or B, 
maybe he's having second thoughts about his run in TNA. Speculation is yours. Yeah, or C, TNA maybe said, well, there's a company that put the title on Jeff Hardy when he was having a lot of problems, and I'm not crapping on Hardy now. He's cleaned himself up, thank God. But maybe after this last DUI, they said, eh, maybe we don't want him in the Hall of Fame. But that was still kind of a stupid way to do it. Well, you know, when it rains, it pours, Bronx. TNA has removed their December 5th live Impact Wrestling tapings, which was supposed to take place in Chattanooga, Tennessee, from their list of upcoming events. The two back-to-back Impact tapings would have aired on December 5th and December 12th. (coughs) No mention of TNA remains on the arena's website. The TNA website lists December 27th in Philadelphia as the only tapings for December, although the December 5th tapings will most likely be moved to a different location. TNA has also removed the Impact tapings in Baltimore, Maryland, and that was supposed to be held on November 21st. The event has disappeared from the TNA Tour website. As reported, the company is looking to go back to Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida to tape a bunch of Impact episodes to save money since TNA is pretty much bleeding money at the moment. The November 7th Impact tapings in Cincinnati, Ohio looks like it's still a go, and so is the December 27th tapings in Philadelphia, at least for now. There's no official announcement yet, for a deal with Universal. That's not good. No. I mean, at least finish off the tapings you announced. Yeah, but, I mean, it it does them no good to go there and they don't make any money off of it, right? They've got to pay for the venue. And if they don't sell enough tickets to justify the venue, there's no sense in going. You're wasting money to have your ring and everything else set up there. You're going to have to pay out of pocket for the arena. I mean, I think that it's all due to bad ticket sales. People are not buying tickets to TNA, and that's very telling. And a lot of people will say, well, why is that? The most obvious reason is because they don't fucking market that company. Yeah, you beat me to it. I mean, I I don't know how many times someone has posted. I've seen this dozens of times, JJ, on the SNS Facebook page. And this is both overseas and here. Oh, oh, damn. TNA was in my town three nights ago, and I had no idea. I would have liked to have went. (laughs) There's your problem. It's pretty fucked up, brother. It's pretty fucked up. Moving on with the news. As WWE heads closer to reporting its third quarter results, the company's stock hit a 52-week high on Friday, trading at some point during the day at $11.63, and then closing at the day with just $0.10 short uh, of that to $11.53 apiece. Since the government shutdown ended, WWE stocks kept ticking up slightly, giving the company a market cap of $865.8 million as of Friday. The stocks usually get a knockdown. The WWE stocks usually get knocked down a couple of percentage points after quarter results are announced, and the 2013 outlook revision didn't help things last month. So, interesting stock news. I'm telling you, man, I got my one share. I'm showing up at the next board meeting. I hear you, brother. Um, Hulk Hogan has said that this temporary situation is the calm before the storm, brother, which will be setting up for him a huge blessing, brother. Hogan, who is a free agent after his TNA contract expired at the beginning of October, has been linked to both TNA and WWE, although going back to TNA seems to be highly unlikely at this point. The Hulkster did not elaborate on the cryptic tweet, although it sparked several theories online. 
Hogan recently ran into Triple H at a charity event and said that Triple H told him the door was always open for him to come home. I'm telling you now, I think Hogan's going to WWE. Yeah. If yeah, he, he owned if he was gonna if he was gonna be in TNA, he'd have been at Bound for Glory. Right. Well, th- theoretically, you would think so. They're they're wrestle quote unquote excuse me WrestleMania. So yeah, I mean you're right. The writing is on the wall and it's in crayon, folks. Hulk Hogan is not going back to TNA, which for TNA fans that's a good thing. So yeah, rejoice, rejoice. It's a good thing for you. Uh, this is kind of a sad story. Kind of sad. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm conflicted even reporting this because of my disdain. But WWE Hall of Famer Tammy Sunny Sitch revealed her cancer is back after a visit to the oncologist. Sunny was diagnosed with cervical cancer while in prison, which developed from her contraction of human papillomavirus, otherwise known as HPV, earlier this year. But in May, she declared that she was cancer-free. A trip to the doctor changed everything again, and she wrote on Twitter before she left that she was scared shitless, that they will tell her it is returned. Not doing well, struggling with my diagnosis big time, Sonny wrote. More surgery and possibly radiation. She eventually got into several altercations with different people online who are harassing her and telling her that she's doing all this for attention. While as a website, we are still probably not on her good side, we do wish her the very best during this difficult time. I couldn't agree more with that. And um, again, uh, there was a there was a point in my life where I was a big Sunny fan, and you know I hate to hear that anybody's got cancer and they're gonna you know obviously go undergo a a major transition from a, a life threatening illness. And despite you know any jests that I've made at her expense in the past, uh, I'm gonna refrain from that and I'm gonna say that I hope that she gets better. And that uh, this doesn't progress worse than it already is. And, uh, you know, I wish her the best of luck. Well, a few things. I I can't crap on the IWC for criticizing her because the the sad thing about crying wolf is when the wolf really comes, no one believes you. And I will say this. If this is true, then I'll say a prayer. I'll definitely say a prayer for the woman, you know. My best thoughts and wishes go out to her, and I hope she beats it, and I hope that that she can be, you know, saved and that this disease won't take another one. However, however, again, that 5% of doubt in my head from the people who are saying maybe this is to get attention, if that ever came out, then you and I would do what we needed to do on this show. But if it's legit and and... As someone who thinks the best in people, I would say there's a 99% chance it is. Then I hope that, you know, she has the best of luck and and I wish her well. That's all I'll say about it. No doubt about that. But uh, that is going to do it for our official news of the week. I want to thank our good friends over at wrestling-online.com for sponsoring the news. If you haven't checked out the newsletter, make sure that you do. And join over 27,000 other subscribers. And you get this puppy, I don't know, three to four times a week, depending on how, you know, slow or busy the news week is but definitely check it out and i want to send out a shout out to colin vasslow for uh helping us out along the way the last couple of years whether it was wrestling news live or unplugged with the guests that he booked us and uh once again you know thank colin when you see him online let him know how you feel and uh, i want to thank him for booking our main event interview which we're going to take our last commercial break when we come back me and the bronx father 
Mono, Imano, Imano with Jesse, the body, Ventura. That being said, you're listening to the SNS Radio Network. This is Unplugged. We'll be right back right after this. Vertebreaker! KID started in 91 in the state of NC. In the place to be, your boy paid his dues. When hell's a visa spot, all the marks are through. Vertebreaker, we'll break your spine. Vertebreaker, does the trick every time. Vertebreaker, we'll slap your face. Vertebreaker. Uh, you knew me as Sugar Shane. You may have known me as the Hurricane, but this is the Shane event, Shane Helm. And you're listening to Unplugged on the SNS Network. Vertebreaker, we'll break your spine. Hey, wrestling fans, do you want to break from the day-to-day ins and outs of the WWE, TNA, and Ring of Honor? Do you like talk radio that pulls no punches? And do you like your sci-fi and fantasy? Well, tune in to the Elite Force Podcast each and every midweek with Chuck W. And each weekend with William Walkie Walker and Mindwipe. Exclusively on the SNS Radio Network and the Chris Jones Gaming Network. Yeah. This is going to be fun. Hey guys, this is Ashley. And this is Sandro. And we're here to make sure that you check out the whole indie show each week on the SNS Radio Network. As both of us, along with our other co-host Randy cover everything that you need to know on all things indie wrestling. It's your place for all the most recent indie news and event results, reviews of the latest shows from all the major promotions, and previews for all the upcoming events. We also want your feedback on any indie stuff you may have seen as well. Plus, you know, you never know, you might even get a few paperclip references now and then. So for all that and much more, listen to the whole indie show every week here on the SNS Radio Network. Every Thursday, the SNS Radio Network gets in the ring and starts running the ropes. When I want, okay, I want, I caught SmackDown again. I caught, she, I skipped Sheffield's gimmick, and I couldn't help but to think that his new gimmick sounds like an Arby's uh, roast beef sandwich. Join Brian Maverick Bertrand and Chris Kelly from HeadlocksHeadlines.com as they talk about every random thing going on within the WWE, TNA, Ring of Honor, and the NorCal Independency. Running the Ropes also features interviews with stars from the past. It's me, it's me, it's the D-O-double-G, the road dog Jesse James. Present. What's going on? This is Kazarian. 
And this is the fallen angel Christopher Daniels. And future. Hey guys, it's Rima Fatih. And so much more. So join the guys every week on Running the Ropes right here on the SNS Radio Network. It's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. Just a reminder for you to listen to Sunday Night Showdown every pay-per-view Sunday as I'll be joined by my broadcast partner, the Bronx father, Tony J. Marabella, Harmony Boom Boom Jackson, and Mark the Shark DiCarlo as we provide the best pay-per-view coverage of the WWE. And it starts at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific time, every pay-per-view Sunday. Sunday Night Showdown, your home for WWE pay-per-view coverage. Gang, this is Mean Gene Okerlund from the WWE, and uh, you're listening to JJ on the SNS Radio Network. Work it. All right, welcome back to the show. Of course, I am Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson, and joining me as always, my co-host, my partner in crime, if you will, the Bronx father, Tony J. Mirabella. And I got to tell you guys, I'm excited tonight. We have a big guest on the program, someone I feel encompasses everything that Unplugged stands for from wrestling, from the entertainment perspective, and the occasional conspiracy theory. And joining us at this time, a man who was a former Navy SEAL, a former pro wrestler, former color commentator, a mayor, a governor. Most recently, the host of Conspiracy Theory on True TV, a WWE Hall of Famer and an author. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program, Jesse, the Body Ventura. Governor, how are you doing tonight? Good. I'm fighting off a little cold, but it's that time of the year here in Minnesota, but other than that, doing okay. Well, see, I'm in Calgary, so I hear you, man. It, it starts to get cold in the fall, and then we get all the snow, and never been to Minnesota, but I, I'm, I'm assuming... Uh, you know, Canada, Calgary, and Minnesota, pretty pretty much the same as far as the snowfall every year. Yeah, I would think so. That's why I get out of here every winter and go to Mexico. <laughs> I can't. And, I, and, in fact, I have neighbors that are Canadian, so I'm not alone there either. A lot of Canadians leave Canada and go to Mexico in the winter, too. No doubt about that one. Uh, like I said, you're an author. You've You've written a few books, but most recently... Uh, the book that you have written deals with the JFK uh, conspiracy. And for those of you that haven't uh, seen the book, it's called They Killed Our President, 63 Reasons to Believe There Was a Conspiracy to Assassinate JFK. And just right off the top, why do you think that John F. Kennedy was assassinated? Well, he, he was going to change the world. He was going to, the big picture was he, he had made a, uh, an extreme turn towards peace and uh, and detente with the Soviets. Uh, he, he, you know, there, he was he was uh, communicating with Nikita Khrushchev, back channel communicating that 
the two of them, their governments didn't even know about it. Uh, that was discovered in a book called JFK and, and uh, The Unspeakable with the author named Douglas, a very good book. He found all that in the archives of the Vatican. Uh, they were using Pope John as the intermediary between the two of them. And so why was he killed? He he created a lot of enemies. Uh, he had probably more enemies in the country than he did outside it. He, he naturally had the enemy of the mafia. Uh, Bobby was attorney general, and they were waging war on organized crime. So there's people that didn't like him. Uh, the oil people, because uh, he was going to get rid of the oil depletion allowance, which is their big tax write-off. So he made enemies there. The Pentagon and the Joint Chiefs, he wouldn't go to war in Cuba, and he was going to pull us out at the preliminary edges of Vietnam. There would not have been a Vietnam War had John Kennedy lived. Uh, the CIA, because after the Bay of Pigs fiasco, he fired the top three, including Alan Dulles, the head of the CIA, and was stated he was going to break the CIA into a thousand pieces. So, as you can see, President Kennedy made a tremendous amount of enemies internally. And uh, you, at least we not forget Lyndon Johnson, <laughs> the president who followed him, the vice president, because Lyndon at the time was neck deep in two major scandals, the Bobby Baker scandal and the Billy Solesta scandal in, in Texas. And there was a lot of word out that, that Kennedy was going to drop him from the ticket in 64, which means it would have been the end of Johnson's political career pretty much. In fact, many people felt he might well have gone to prison for the involvements that he had. And magically, those things disappeared when he became president and never resurfaced again very much. So there were a lot of people out there. <clears throat> and shall we not forget J. Edgar Hoover, the head of the FBI? He didn't exactly have a cozy relationship with the Kennedys. So the Kennedys were changing the world, and there were people that didn't want that world changed, I believe, I tend to agree with you there. Now, I guess the big question of all the people that you just named off, who do you think was actually involved in the plot? Well, there were two plots that took place. People need to understand two conspiracies happened. There was the conspiracy to actually murder the president, and then there was the conspiracy to cover it up afterward. Uh, they also had contingent plans that didn't work in Tampa and Chicago, and then it finally did was successful in Dallas. Uh, there were there's many people who 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 you can believe were part of it. Uh, it only required a handful at the very top because any time government does anything, it can be very compartmentalized. Uh, the left hand doesn't know necessarily what the right hand's doing. Uh, you could be given a job to take something from point A to point B, and that's all you know uh, when you work in that type of work within the government. So it's, it's difficult. One thing I can unequivocally state is that I do not believe Lee Harvey Oswald did it. With all the evidence this book produces, in my opinion, there's no way. Here's 63 reasonable doubts, and you only need one to save someone from a conviction because... It has to be beyond a reasonable doubt, and we give you 63 very reasonable doubts. So even if a couple of them aren't true, which I doubt, uh, that still leaves you to contend with 60 reasonable doubts. See, I agree with you there. I've always been of the opinion that Lee Harvey Oswald was not the man who assassinated the president, simply based on the Zabruder film alone. To me, that is the one piece of evidence that you cannot look at and say, 
yeah, okay, the guy was behind the president, what, six stories up in the depository, uh, and you're going to tell me that the fatal shot where we see, obviously in this Bruder film, where JFK's head goes backwards and, and Jackie's obviously picking up the pieces from behind there. Uh, again, I, 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 the magic bullet theory just doesn't work for me. You're going to tell me that it was fired from, from behind, it went through Wallace, through the seat, and then back through and popped JFK's head? No, I, I don't think so. To me, that is the one outstanding piece of evidence that proves that he was not the shooter. Well, and, and if you look, and first of all, you would have never seen the Zabruder film had it not been for uh, Jim Garrison, the district attorney of New Orleans, because the Time Life, who at that time was highly connected to the CIA, they had possession of it, and the American people were never, ever going to see it. So we owe a debt of thank you to Jim Garrison, who brought that trial down in New Orleans that the uh, JFK film by Oliver Stone was based upon. Otherwise, you would have never seen the Zabruder film. Second of all, in the Zabruder film, notice when Kennedy comes uh, reappears from behind the sign, the Stimmons Parkway sign or whatever it is, he's already clutching his throat. You can clearly see in all the doctors at Parkland said he had an entrance wound to the throat where he was taken immediately after the shooting, and these were highly qualified doctors and nurses. It was a trauma center. Most of them had combat experience. And you're going to tell me when they bring the president of the United States in there, you're not going to know what you saw, you know, as a doctor or a nurse. And we've listed them by name and how what they testified to. And it's absurd when you read the testimony of the doctors and nurses at Parkland Hospital, and then you try to match that up with that garbage that came out of the Warren Commission. Well, why Oswald? I mean, out of all the people possibly to put the blame on, you know, I, I find myself asking why this guy who, who claims he had nothing to why do with not? it. Hmm. Well, Oswald was a, a low-level government operative, and whenever a coup d'etat happens, an overthrow of the government, you cannot have a trial which they didn't, by killing Oswald on Sunday. And by the way, Jack Ruby and Oswald knew each other, and Ruby had, uh, had said that he had known Oswald since he was a kid. So that changes the whole thing. The Warren Commission said there was no connection between the two of them. That's not true. And uh, uh, so, But in a coup d'etat, you can't have a trial, and you have to blame someone. So they had to set up a patsy. They had two other planned operations, both in Tampa and Chicago, and Chicago operation was identical. They had a patsy up there, too, waiting in the wings, you know, because they have to offer someone up to the, to the public. Someone has to be sacrificed to the public so we could all hate that person and, and, and give us closure. And uh, it was funny because I did uh, Fox Business the other day with Tom Sullivan, and when he did the intro to me, he introed the book as convicted killer Lee Harvey Oswald. And as soon as we came on the air, I corrected him. I said, Lee Oswald wasn't convicted of anything. Lee Oswald never had a trial. Why do you and mainstream media introduce? That's done on purpose so that it's psychologically put into your head that he did it. Convicted killer. He was not convicted of anything. And this book of mine proves unequivocally he could have never been convicted. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously you don't, you don't have a trial and, and the press is using the word convicted. I mean, that right there tells you something that my God is, is it's a lie. It's a blatant lie. And it amazes me how many people well, hearing you say that don't pick up on that. Well, the thing is, is also too, is they always say if there was a conspiracy, people would have talked. Well, people have talked. 
It's just the mainstream media hasn't reported on them. Richard Nixon, the president, on the infamous Watergate tapes, uh, on those tapes he states that the Warren Commission was the biggest hoax ever perpetrated on the American people. So there you have a president of the United States saying on tape that the Warren Commission was a hoax. You know, I mean, I guess we're to just ignore that and think that Nixon was just speaking out of touch or whatever. I don't know. But, uh, and there's been, on my TV show, we had uh, the confession of E. Howard Hunt to his son, St. John Hunt, a deathbed confession. And you clearly see Howard Hunt has all his faculties. And this is a guy involved in Watergate, a CIA man. And he described everything and said that it absolutely was a conspiracy. He was on the fringes of it. He wasn't a major player, but he named the major players. Uh, Cord uh, uh, Meyer, Lyndon Johnson, uh, David Sanchez, Morales, and right down the line. And uh, I thought it would be headlines in the paper the next day. You know, Hunt admits to involvement in Kennedy slaying. Not one word. Not one word. And here is a guy absolutely who could have been involved in it with his background. And not a word said in mainstream media to this confession. And in fact, between that one and Judith Ferry Baker, who knew Lee Harvey Oswald very well in New Orleans, both of them were supposed to be on 60 Minutes and at the last minute were pulled and never aired. Wow. Wow. Unreal. You can talk to these people about it. You know, they'll tell you that, you see, uh, St. John Hunt, I was the first person that aired his because 60 Minutes was going to run with it. And then all of a sudden, word came down from up above, get rid of it. And this, so they did. And then they did it to Judith Ferry Baker, too. She lives in, in, she was Oswald's mistress in New Orleans, and she was in Miami when he was killed, and David Ferry called her and said, Judith, if you want to live, you got to disappear. And so she did, and she's just come out in the last, oh, five or six years. Uh, she lives in Sweden, and they've really given her asylum because they know what she knows. Wow. You know, in your book, you also mentioned Mary Pinchot Mayer, who was one of JFK's mistresses, yeah. and she was she was shot. She was raising her voice. She was uh, she was also the wife of Cordmeyer, okay. who, who was named by Howard Hunt as being one of the orchestrators. So there's another motive. Uh, the president's having an affair with your wife, you know, so but they had they had, they'd had a long standing one. And and uh, she was partly responsible for guiding Kennedy towards his movement towards peace and rather than war. <laughs> and she was very angry at his murder, and she was mouthing off a great deal about things she knew, having been the wife to this high echelon CIA guy. And, uh, you know, and she was saying a lot of things that people didn't want said, and so Mary was silenced on her morning jog by a couple of bullet shots to the back of her head. Wow. Surprising they, surprising they didn't call it a suicide. <laughs> because if you read about what happened, if you read about what happened to Dorothy Kilgallen, she was a nationally syndicated columnist, and she never believed the Kennedy, the, the Warren report. She got the only interview with Jack Ruby, and she came out of that interview and she said, "I'm going to bust the Kennedy case wide open." A week later, she's found dead, and they said she committed suicide in her Manhattan apartment. Yet all of her notes on Kennedy mysteriously disappeared. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't sound like a coincidence. Well, I guess they'd have you believe that it is. 
but I don't. You know, especially when, as I said, all her notes on Kennedy were taken and stolen. So obviously she was murdered for that purpose to silence her and take whatever knowledge Jack Ruby gave her. In your book, you mentioned, and this to me is absolutely terrifying, 18 eyewitnesses died or were murdered soon after JFK's death. I mean, 18. Do you have any details, you know, surrounding all these deaths? You know, were they all under mysterious? Well, we, 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 we don't cover all of them, but we cover a few of the important ones, like Lee Bowers. He was the uh, he was the railroad man that sat in the tower right behind the grassy knoll who testified to the Warren Commission. And we give his testimony in complete in the book, complete in the book, where he states he saw something out of the ordinary in a flashlight happened behind the picket fence. And uh, it caused him to, you know, to get his attention. And a couple weeks later, he's uh, he's uh, found dead in uh, Monrovia, Texas, on a alleged single car accident where the sheriff report clearly said that he was run off the road, that it was done intentionally. But uh, and that was, and they said he died of something, an aneurysm or something like that. So it was key witnesses, people like that, that knew certain things that uh, all of a sudden turned up dead, that they were eliminated, so they weren't allowed, like right before the House Select Committee in the mid-70s, where the government actually, the conclusion of that official government committee was that, yes, there was a conspiracy, probable conspiracy to kill Kennedy. They turned it over to the Justice Department, and I bet it's still sitting there gathering dust. There's no statute of limitations on murder. It can be prosecuted today if you want to. And look at the people that were killed right before that. George DeMorenshield, Sam Giancana. All these people died the night before they were due to testify in front of this committee. I guess that's just circumstances again, huh? Well, that's what they would have us believe. Well, I don't know. You apply common sense to it and see if you believe it or not. I don't. I don't believe that witnesses die the night before they're supposed to testify. Well, it doesn't add up, that's for sure. Uh, you mentioned George DeMorenshield. Uh, I remember watching the conspiracy theory episode where you delved into the JFK assassination, and his name was thrown up quite a bit as being a possible CIA handler for Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah, he was part of the white Russian community of Dallas where Lee came after he had defected and, uh, and back in, and settled in Dallas after New Orleans and all that. DeMorenshield, out of nowhere, this rich, wealthy guy befriends little Lee Oswald and his wife and brings him into their circles there in Dallas, which, you know, when you look at it on face value, it's like, what would these two ever have in common? And uh, then it's later been determined that DeMorenshield did work for the Central Intelligence Agency. Uh, many people do. They wear two hats. They do one job while working for intelligence with the other, and uh that's what speculation is, was DeMornshield was Oswald's handler because he also helped get Oswald the job at the book depository, I believe. Somebody did, even though he had a better paying job handling baggage at the airport, he turned that one down and took the lesser paying job at the bookstore because whoever was running him <laughs> obviously at that point was setting him up, which is what I believe he was. He was a low-level intelligence agent who got set up to take the fall. You also spoke with Oswald's widow, Marina. I saw this on the TV show, and you mentioned it in the book. Did she lead to any, any anything revealing about Lee Harvey Oswald possibly being a CIA agent or his ties to DeMorne? Well, she just, she, 
she just revealed that she she felt that Lee did work for the government in some manner, in some secret manner. But uh, what we need to remember now is that for the most part of this, they were separated. That's why he had the affair with Judith Barry Baker in New Orleans. And, I, and no one could figure out why Lee was living one place and his wife and his kids were in another place and he'd go home on the weekends. Well, they were separated and he'd go home on the weekends to see his children. And in fact, they had the second child specifically, uh, even though they were probably going to break up because uh, uh, there was the threat Marina would be deported back to Russia if they got divorced and Lee loved his kids very much and didn't want them going back or his first daughter going back to the Soviet Union. So they had the second daughter who was born here, which would make it far more difficult for them now to deport Marina. But they still threatened her with it a great deal to get her to cooperate initially. Wow. You know, logistically, I find it fascinating that you attempted to recreate the quote-unquote perfect shot with the same exact rifle. Uh, why, logistically, wouldn't it have been plausible for this to have happened the way they claim it happened? Well, it, because you can't, the rifle's terrible to begin with, and they said that he brought it in like curtain rods. Well, when you, I'm looking at it right here, the rifle in front of me, and it's impossible. I'm six foot four, and this rifle has an unusually long wooden stock to where the barrel only sticks out about four or five inches past the wood. So if you break this weapon down, you'd have a wood stock that would be utterly impossible to put under your armpit, like the Warren Commission tried to say that he carried it in in a bag and told his co-workers it was curtain rods. Well, it probably was curtain rods, because this weapon could not have been carried like they said. I couldn't do it, and I'm at least six inches taller than Oswald at his high, highest measurement. And also, the weapon's horrible, and it's a bolt action, and there's no way. We wanted to recreate to see if you could get off the shots in the amount of time and it's impossible. And, and if you don't believe me, read the book and believe Carlos Hathcock, who's the greatest Marine Corps sniper in history. He's the head instructor at the Quantico Sniper School. They recreated it for him, and he attempted to do it ten times and could not. Now, bear in mind when you go into the military, they give you batteries of tests because they want to use you to the best of the abilities you have. They want to channel you that way. Oswald was not 0300 infantry. Oswald was a radar technician, which means, in other words, he, he didn't carry a weapon. He looked at a radar screen. And you're going to tell me, common sense, that the greatest sniper in Marine Corps history can't make the shots, but this Marine radar technician can? I'm not buying it. And I couldn't make the shots either. And I still qualified expert at age 50 when I was governor with an M16. So I can still shoot, and you could not do it. You couldn't work the bolt fast enough. The first shot would be the most accurate one. Here it's the least accurate. The third shot would be the least accurate, and it's the most accurate. Nothing adds up when you apply common sense to it. Well, I know nothing about, you know, weapons or sniping or anything like that, but I do know there's wind involved. I mean, there's there's... You know, you have to shoot from a distance. You have to obviously shoot higher because the bullet drops with distance. And this guy's well, a well. Well, you 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 also have a very weird shot. Instead of taking the shot directly at you, which he could have done in that sniper nest, he waited till the car turned and was moving away from him. It was blocked out by a Texas oak tree because I've been there, 
And uh, it's also the most difficult shot. It's a shot going away from you and dropping. And that is the hardest shot to do if you're shooting at something. There's something that's going away from you and dropping. Because a rifle has a tendency to rise up as you shoot it. So you'd have, you'd have to compensate for that, the dropping of the target. And you would have to shoot lower than you normally would. And it just could not be done. Plus, they, they have the acoustics that day. And two of the shots came right on top of each other, like bang, bang. And when you listen to that, you know that there could be no recycling of the bolt because the recycling and getting a new cartridge into the chamber to shoot would take in itself two and a half to three seconds to complete. And two of these shots are right on top of each other. So they obviously came, and they sound different. So they obviously came from separate weapons. Wow. And they the, list, the list goes on and on. I mean, you can take the, the x-rays of the president's head. It had, it had metal particles throughout his entire head, skull. That means he was hit with a flangible bullet or a bullet that explodes or breaks into pieces. The Manlicher Carcano is a Geneva Convention military weapon. It can only shoot a full metal jacket. It can't shoot a flangible bullet. So that proves right there that the headshot did not come from the Oswald rifle. Wow. Well, all of it's in the book, so I urge people, it's a great read. Once you start on page one, it'll hook you till the last page when you read all of this one after another after another of the 63 reasons that we know, which are factual. Uh, they're not me making them up. They're government documents. They're reality. They're things that were said. They're, they're interviews. And when you, when you put all the pieces together, it's like a big jigsaw puzzle. Well, eventually you put enough pieces, you get a picture of what the jigsaw puzzle is. Well, the thing I find most interesting, too, is that you've got presidents like Gerald Ford, Richard Nixon, uh, George Herbert Walker Bush, and Lyndon Johnson all perceivably involved in some form or fashion in this whole ordeal. Well, they all, yeah, they all in some form or fashion have a tie to it, whether it's Nixon stating on the tapes that the, the Warren Commission's the biggest hoax ever perpetrated on the American people, the photograph that if outside of, uh, of the, the, the uh, in Dealey Plaza, outside the book depository, there's a photograph of a guy standing there. If it's not George H.W. Bush, it's his twin, because I've seen the photograph. Uh, you've got, you know, Lyndon Johnson in the parade, waiting in the wings to become the president. And what did Lyndon Johnson do? Well, the car is a crime scene. That's where the president was murdered. And anybody who watches television knows uh, out comes the yellow tape, and no one's allowed on the crime scene until forensic and the scientists are through with it. Well, Monday morning, on the orders of Lyndon Johnson, that car's already up in Detroit, Michigan, being refurbished. No one, no one got to look at the crime scene. Now, come on. That's, that's Homicide 101. Any dope that watches TV knows that. You don't even have to have gone to a police academy to know that. That's obstruction of justice. So there's tie-ins to all these different presidents, and they all, Gerald Ford admitted he changed the wound on the back of the president so it would fit to the magic bullet. Well, how do you change a bullet hole in a wound so it'll fit a predetermined conclusion if you're doing a real investigation? You see how fraudulent this whole thing is? That's why I urge people, read the book, and, and we give you the comparisons of what happened and what's known. And it's directly almost the opposite of what you've been told. I absolutely agree with that. Uh, 
you know, from watching that conspiracy theory episode uh, of the JFK assassination, uh, I remember, I think it was, was it June that made the comment that George Walker Bush, George Herbert Walker Bush, doesn't remember what he was doing on November 22nd, 1963. I find that interesting because it's one of those days just like 9-11, you knew what you were doing when the news came through. My mother's birthday is actually November 22nd. Well, November 22nd, I think she's 62 now. She was she was a young girl when Kennedy was killed, and even she remembers what she was doing on that day. So I, I find that interesting that... Oh, yeah. You know, I remember where I was. I was 12 years old at the time, and it was in junior high school, and I remember they sent us all back to our homerooms, and they announced that the, there had been an attempt at assassination, and then a half hour later they announced that the president was dead, and we were all told we were to go immediately home. And I think it's probably the only day I ever recalled where junior high kids did what they were told to do. All of us went immediately home. Wow. Very quiet and, and very, it was eerie. And then we, of course, all sat in our homes that weekend and got to watch our first live televised murder on Sunday when they brought Oswald down like a sitting duck. And no, notice on that tape, when they bring Oswald down, the guy next to him is wearing a big white cowboy hat and dressed in white, and everybody else is kind of dressed dark. That's a good point. Well, that's, you know, it makes it easy for a shooter to know where his target's at if he's sitting out in the crowd, isn't he? Yeah, no doubt about that. Look, look for the big, look for the big cowboy hat, you know, because you got to be good with the one shot. And of course, we also show in the book where Lee Harvey Oswald and Jack Ruby knew each other well. There's multiple witnesses that have talked about that they they saw Ruby and Oswald together, both at Ruby's club as well as in New Orleans when Ruby would go down to New Orleans when Lee was down there. So that's another Warren Commission lie. They said there was no connection between the two of them, and it's easy to disprove that. It, 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 it's amazing, it, and it really it, it hurts you to think that your, your government could be this deceitful to, to its people. Well, it's you know, uh, people need to understand something. Governments are made up of people, and bad people can get in charge. If you don't believe that, go talk to the Germans in the 30s. You know, you, it's like my T-shirts where I've got them where it says, I love my country, but not my government. There's nothing wrong with that because the governments are made up of people. And there can be bad people that get into government and get control of it. And uh, they portray to you that they're good people when the reality is they're not so good. Remember, it's power and money you're talking about here. Money corrupts and power is, is, is a, a, an addiction that can be disastrous. And people will do a lot of things for both. Oh, no doubt. No, no doubt. I couldn't agree more. You know, speaking of the governments, I know Bronx, or Tony, you wanted to talk about this earlier, but what are your thoughts on just the craziness that's going on with our government right now with the shutdown? I, I, am, I, I am embarrassed to be an American citizen right now. Well, it's, to me, it shows clearly that these two parties put themselves first and their money people second, which I've been saying for 10 years now. I've written books on it. I'm pounding my head in the wall asking why we continue to elect Democrats and Republicans. Uh, when you look at a case like this where Congress has a 10% approval rating and yet they all get reelected, well, then isn't it really kind of our fault? Yeah. Because we, we have the power. We have the power to elect and not elect. And, and everyone here thinks that there's a difference between the two. There's not. 
if you think that the Republicans were bad, so next time you're going to vote for the Democrats, you're not going to get a new government. You're going to get the same thing. It does. I don't know how many times I can tell people it does not matter that the course of the country will remain the same as long as you keep electing Democrats and Republicans. They're much like like uh, 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 what's his name? Ralph Nader called them the two-party dictatorship. Well, they are that. And and people who think because they switch from voting from one party to the other that they're changing government, the course of government, I got news for you, you're not. It doesn't matter. You have to vote for someone other than a Democrat or Republican. Then you're taking a vote that does matter. If you vote for them, it does not. your vote doesn't matter. See, I agree with you there. I think that for the last well, several years, we've really had a lack of options, especially the last election. No, you had an option. You could have voted for who I voted for, Gary Johnson. Gary was the former governor of New Mexico, former Republican. He ran under the uh, libertarian banner. I don't vote for Democrats or Republicans. When you walk in that booth, there's more options than them. And I exercise those options every time I vote. I refuse to vote for them. So I could put a bumper sticker on my car, don't blame me, you know, because I, didn't, I voted for Gary Johnson the last election. And uh, that would be what I would do if I ran. I would run under the simple premise. I would give the people the opportunity to vote for their first candidate since George Washington. Elect a president since George Washington that does not belong to a political party. Imagine that. The father of our country is the only president we've ever had that doesn't belong to one of these gangs. Well, are, are, I call are, them are, gangs. Are the American people somewhat brainwashed into thinking, you know, it's always like I hear, oh, well, you have to vote for one or the other. You know, third-party candidates are no good. I've actually heard people say that, and, and it amazes me. Yeah, well, that's you are brainwashed to believe that. You're also brainwashed to believe that you're supposed to vote for the winner. No, you're supposed to go vote your heart and conscience, and if your candidate finishes 10th, so what? You voted your heart and conscience. You did your, you did your civic duty. And, you know, always remember what Jerry Garcia, the late great uh, guitar player for the Grateful Dead, said. He said, if you're made to pick the lesser of two evils, you're still picking evil. Wow, that's awesome. And he's correct. He's correct. He's completely correct. So when you pick of these two parties, it means you're still picking evil. And until our country wakes up to that fact, then we're going down this road. And they've got you. The easiest way to start, it could be done locally. And that is, why do we allow party names on an election ballot? That's done for a reason, you know. It's done so that if you're conservative, you don't have to know who the candidates are. You just look for the word Republican. If you're liberal, you look for the word Democrat. If they remove those from those gang symbols, as I call them, from the ballot, well, then it would be a, a inherent for us as citizens, we'd have to educate ourselves. What does John Smith stand for? Now, they could still endorse. They could be political action committees, and they could, you could still get the Republican or Democratic endorsement like you get a teacher's union endorsement or the fireman's union endorsement, whatever it would be. But why do we put their names on the ballot? They should be removed to where only the candidate's name goes on the ballot. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know I have a friend of mine who is, uh, oh, God, he's a Republican. And it's like, oh, I'm just going to vote Republican down the board. I'm like, did you even listen to what these guys had to say? What's wrong with you? 
well, that's the way that it is, and it's set up that way by them to make it simple and stupid, uh, because really they don't want you voting. Why do you think they're always trying to bring these voting laws to limit it down, to cut more people out of the process, to, you know, high voter turnout they can't control as much. And so the lower the voter turnout, the better they like it, because lower numbers are easier to control. Or, you know, we can build an, an, an iPhone that does everything you need in your pocket, but yet we can't get these new electronic voting systems to work properly. You notice every four years... You, don't want, you, don't want, you do not want new electronic voting systems. No. You want to be old-fashioned. You want to have to have where you take a pencil and fill in the blank, the circle. If you're incapable of doing that, you've been doing it since first grade. You do not want these electronic voting machines. Get rid of them. They can be hacked into like any other computer can. Put it this way, would you go to an ATM machine that didn't offer you a receipt? No. No. Well, electronic voting machines don't offer you a receipt. There is no way for you to know explicitly that when you push the button for one candidate that it was recorded for that candidate. It may be recorded for the opposite candidate. You have no way of knowing. And there's no way to do a recount because all they do is give you numbers like an adding machine. 5,400 for this candidate, 7,000 for that one. Where what you want are the individual old-style ballots. We have them in Minnesota. We've had recounts here, and you can rest assured they were accurate because you can count every vote one at a time by filling in. You see the blank and the circle filled in. That's the voting we want. We do not want these machines. Don't allow them to put them in because they can be hijacked just like any computer. They can be hacked into. And as I said, you wouldn't go to an ATM machine that didn't offer you a receipt. What's ironic about all this is I'm a 12-year computer technician by profession, and I'm also a disabled voter. So here in New York, I, I love it. I get the absentee ballot, which works exactly the way you mentioned. But in a lot of states, unless you're disabled, you're not given that option. You have to go to the polls. Right. But the thing is, are, do you know who you vote for then, or do you do it on a voting machine? Uh, no, I fill in the little circles and put it in the mail. There you go. And there's nothing wrong with doing it. That's the way all voting should be. You do not want these machines. Because like any computer, they can hack into them. And you have no way of knowing if the machine is accurate or not. No way of knowing. I agree with that. I think that's fact, the way they should go. In fact, in my, in fact, in my book, Conspiracy Theories, American Conspiracies, we cover the, the elections of 00 and 04. And there, there to me in 04 was major voting fraud in Ohio because of those machines that allowed George Bush to get elected again. He should have never been elected the first term. Well, that was due to the Supreme Court doing something unconstitutional. When they when they appointed him president, they had no right to do that. That was a state issue down in Florida, and they had no business making the determination for the state. So, But those two things aside, they've happened, it's over with, and we got to deal with what we got today. Very true. There's been a lot of talk and speculation that in 2016 you are actually looking to run for president. Are you still entertaining that thought? I entertain it, but i got to see something that would make it happen, and I, I have to have someone like Howard Stern for my own reasons of keeping my integrity. <laughs> Excuse me, I only raised $300,000 to become the governor of Minnesota. 
And I actually made more money doing the job than I spent to get it. In fact, this is a wrestling show. If Vince McMahon would have given me the money he gave his wife on her two Senate runs, I'd be your president. <laughs> no doubt about that one. Spent. Oh. Anyway, that aside, we'll take a shot at Vince there, but that aside, I need someone like Stern to keep my integrity who can raise 50 and $100 donations because when I was governor, I never took PAC money. I never took any special interest money. And in four years, I never once met with a lobbyist. They didn't exist in my office. And so I would have to keep my integrity, which requires me to have someone like Stern. Plus, we could stay on the air with Howard's radio show right up to the election because it doesn't fall under the FCC. And I learned that from being governor when I lost my job for six months. I had to go unemployed while my opponents cashed government checks because I happened to be on the radio at the time, and it's against FCC rules. Well, Sirius Radio is satellite. It doesn't fall under those rules. And so everything would have to fall into place, but it looks like it is. I mean, the government's behaving horribly, but now, of course, they're going to come together because they probably feel the threat out there. They see how they're so unpopular. So they're going to have to do something to unify themselves again in the eyes of the public. So look forward to that. If they continue down the road they're going, then it'll open it up for a person like me to win. And I would run on one simple premise of giving the people the opportunity, like I said, to vote for their first president since George Washington that doesn't belong to a political party. But you must be forewarned that people will have to stay engaged because these two parties will punish you. If that were to happen, they will punish you. So you have to be prepared for that because they don't put themselves, they don't put the country first. They put themselves and their political gangs first, which you've got to clear, clearly anybody would have to be ignorant not to have seen that through this last debacle we've been through. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I was pumping my fist and was so proud of you recently when during the shutdown you said, why should we pay taxes during a government shutdown? You know, I'm paraphrasing you, but you basically said that if you don't go to work, you don't get paid. They're not working. Why are they getting paid? Yeah, exactly. And, not, and they're not providing us the services that we're paying for. When they're collecting full income taxes, we should, for the number of days they're out, if it's 12, if it's 14, we should have a reduced number of, of cut our income taxes in half that day because they were not providing the services that they were supposed to be providing that we were paying for. And why as a citizen should we have to pay if we're not being provided those services? When it's their fault, they shut them down. It wasn't the fault of we, the taxpayers. It was their fault. They couldn't, and, and they should all be fired. Think about it for a moment. If you worked in the private industry and you had a deadline to complete a job and the deadline was October, whatever the date was, let's just throw it October 20th, whatever the day was, I don't remember. Wouldn't you get that job done by about July if you could? I would think so, yeah. So that you wouldn't press it to the deadline? And if you couldn't get the job done by the deadline, you'd be fired, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Sure. Especially if you, especially if you had enough time to know about it. These people knew this stuff was going to happen. They're not ignorant of that. Instead, they used it for their own political purposes to shut down our government cause us all hardship for their own selfish purposes, well, they should all be fired. Now, will they? Of course not. They got a 10% approval rating, but we re-elect them at a, at a rate of 90%. 
you know why that is? Because they control redistricting. They make the districts so they're not competitive. They make all the districts. They know one district's going to be Democrat. They know the other's going to be Republican. They do that on purpose. That way they get career politicians, and they're not surprised in any districts. They know who's going to win. You see the fix? Yep. That was one of my classes at Harvard was how pro wrestling prepares you for politics. If you've been in pro wrestling, you can see through this stuff in a second. The more I hear you talk, the more I have to agree. It's the way gang members work. It, re- it really is. Yep. It's sad to say, but absolutely it's Absolutely it is. It absolutely is. They are no different than a street gang. And in fact, they're worse. Because if you look at the... My last book was Democrips and the Bloodlicans, right? If yeah. you look at the Crips and the Bloods, my apologies to them for using their name in vain. But if you look at them... if you No, seriously, if you look at them... Yes, they affect people in the L.A. area where they're located at. These Democrats and Republicans affect everybody in the country. When this government shut down, it affected all of us. That makes them far worse, far worse. They're not even comparable because these guys affect not only us in our country, they literally affect the world by the decisions they make. I couldn't agree more. Ouch. (laughs) I couldn't agree more with that analogy. That is awesome. Well, it's, you know, it's the way I see it, and you know, I'll be heading off. i got a new Internet show I'll be doing where I'll be broadcasting from Mexico into the U.S. so that I can say what I want. It's dangerous to do it in this country now, you know. We're kind of like East Berlin. My mother-in-law, she's not a wrestling fan, but she loves to watch Conspiracy Theory. She watches the reruns. Oh, man, she's seen every episode at least three or four times, and she wanted me, <laughs> she wanted me to let you know personally that she respects what you do and she prays for your safety all the time because she's she's afraid of the things that you do and she's always afraid for your life and she wanted me to pass on that she prays for you daily. Well, tell her thank you very much, but she doesn't have to do it so much anymore because the show's done. We did three years on it. We did 24 episodes. They didn't renew it for a fourth year, so I'm moving on and there won't be any more conspiracy theory except for reruns. And so... Uh, I think I'm probably a little safer now, maybe. I don't know. But uh, tell her thank you very much. I appreciate the thoughts. And uh, But I'm, I'm, I'm moving ahead now with a, with a whole other Internet show. And uh, But I'll continue to be a vigilant citizen because I believe that's what our country was founded upon, that, that, that our forefathers needed us to be vigilant for this to work. And by being vigilant, it doesn't mean you go along to get along. It means you hold your elected officials' feet to the fire because then you're going to get good or better government than you will if you don't. And uh, we've forgotten one major thing in this country, and we need to regain the thought, and that is this. We are the boss. They work for us. Somehow they've reversed that thinking, and they've got us believing they're the boss, and somehow we work for them. Uh Uh-uh, it's not that way. We still have the power of the vote. We're still supposed to be the boss but we better not let it slip away because if we lose that concept, we lose our country. And they'll be happy to take it from us, which they're already doing right now. But we need to remember we are the boss. They work for us. It isn't the other way around. Agreed. Well, Well, on that note, guys, I got to kind of run here. I got more interviews to do, but it was great talking to you today. It has been a blast. It was a privilege for us to have you on the show, and I appreciate your time. I'd love to bring you back on sometime because we did a show about, oh, what was it, three, four months ago about 9-11. Would have loved to talk to you about that, but uh, I appreciate the time. Well, you know, that's, 
that's another one where you get these government commissions. You know, uh, let me finish by stating this. When the government gives you the official story, that's a very accurate thing, and I'll tell you why, because it, it's just what it says it is. It's the official's story. doesn't mean it's true. It's their story. So it's generally done to protect officials. That's why they call it the official story. <laughs> and what you had there was another one of these official commissions that doesn't answer questions, and then what they do is it gives the government cover policy. If you ask the government any question about Kennedy or 9-11, they will simply refer you to the 9-11 Commission or the Warren Commission, which is the reason you're asking the question in the first place. And so it's really a catch-22 if you look at it, but that's how they get around it. They create these commissions to do nothing more than hide the truth and go with the official story, and that's all they're used for. Very true. And thus endeth the lesson for today for me anyway. Guys, thank you very much. Look forward to doing it again. Thank you, Jesse, and hopefully we'll talk to you uh, in the very near future. Good luck. Thank you, Governor. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. This is Governor Jesse Ventura. You're listening to Unplugged on the SNS Radio Network. Keep listening. Hey, everybody. Have you ever wondered how you can be even more interactive with the SNS Radio Network? Well, just like the WWE, TNA, and everyone else on the planet, we're on Twitter. You can check out the entire network at SNS Radio Network. If you want to hit us up on Unplugged, at SNS Unplugged. You can check out the whole indie show at TWIS underscore podcast. The Elite Force Podcast at EF underscore podcast. You can check out my show at SNS Get In The Zone. And if you want to contact us individually, you can check out our personal Twitter accounts. I'm at Bronx Father. You can talk some wrestling with Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson at SNS underscore JJSexA1. You can swim in the waters with Mark the Shark DiCarlo at S underscore Tapley, T-A-P-L-E-Y. Harass the power Andy Knowles about The Miz at the power underscore Rewind. If you want to challenge the Rasputin of sci-fi and gaming and <coughs> politics, check out Mindwipe at Mindwipe. You can follow William Walkie Walker at Walker Views. And if you want to talk some old school wrestling, you can hit up Sean Beckerman of Beyond the Bell at Sean Beckerman at S-E-A-N-B-E-C-K-E-R-M-A-N. So don't be shy. Check us out on Twitter and be interactive right here on the SNS Radio Network. Ugh, stupid bird.
now back to SNS Unplugged with Bronx and JJ on the SNS Radio Network. Pile driver. Never, never mind her. Welcome back to Unplugged right here on the SNS Radio Network. I am Mr. Money on the mic, and I'm tired. That's right. Jeff Jackson is ready to go to bed, and I'm joined, of course, by my co-host, the Bronx father, Tony J. Mirabella. Dude, it's been a show. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, you know, I was going to re-listen to that interview over the weekend. I said, you know what? Let me wait. I want to hear it again, you know, with fresh ears, and he's a deep guy, man. Just amazing. Yeah, you know, I, I hopefully we can get him back at some point in the future and, and kind of talk a little bit about his wrestling career. Uh, you know, for me mainly it's the color commentary. But we didn't get a chance to really discuss this with him, but, you know, and, and I was going to bring this up, but we ran out of time. Um, when I started doing color commentary for independent wrestling, I tried to mold my color commentary persona off Jesse the Body Ventura to a, to a certain degree. I mean, I didn't steal his gimmick or anything, right? But... You know, just the way that he would do things. Um, I tried to be a colorful persona like Jesse Ventura. So that's something I'd like to delve into with him and kind of pick his brain on because I think the guy was a genius back in the day when he was doing the color commentary. I thought that, you know, when they paired him with Vince McMahon, that, you know, he was really the star of that team. But McMahon, at the same time, was such a great guy for him to feed off of. Yeah, like he hated Hulk. Well, his character hated Hulk Hogan. And I like when the Hulkamaniacs would start going, he go, and listen to the pukesters. Well, yeah, but I mean, think about it. He was the bad guy. Of course he had to go against Hulk Hogan. And I think that was one of the things really that made uh, that so great is that he was that he was the heels commentator. I loved his stuff in WCW because he was always professing his mutual respect for ravishing Rick Rude, you know. Uh, Rick Rude was his boy there. You know, he was always putting over Rick Rude. And, um, you know, just something I'd like to talk about at some point. You know, and, and Ashley brings it up, Chico Santana. I used to love when he'd call him Chico. I always wondered if he had any heat with Tito over calling him Chico. I don't know. I remember that. But, you know, he was good with, uh, yeah, I remember that, uh, him in WCW. He was really one of those guys who made transition from wrestler to commentator very well. Very much so. Very much so. And, and, you know, not to shit on his wrestling career because he had a decent one, but I always thought that his uh, uh, his career after the entering stuff was, was always the best. Yeah, and he used to bully McMahon on the microphone a little bit. It'd be like McMahon would say something, be like, oh, be quiet, McMahon. You don't know what you're talking about. I mean, he was the dominant guy. And, I mean, Vince did a great job, too, playing that character. But, I mean, it, the, they were really good together. Yeah, you're right. He was he was really good at what he did as far as commentary goes. Yeah. And he didn't, unlike today, he didn't detract from the action in the ring. He enhanced it. Yep. And that's called the power, brother. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you what, man. On that note, we're going to get out of here for tonight. Uh, like I said, it's been a show. It's uh, It's been a three-hour show. And um, I'll be real honest with you guys. I... Really didn't think we are getting the Brian Williams interview. That was something that happened uh, last minute. And I want to thank the people at 2K Sports for getting back to me last night and setting this thing up for today and getting a nice little surprise for the show. Uh, again, I can't say enough good things about the, the folks at 2K Sports. 
I look forward to working with them again in the near future. I want to thank Brian Williams for stopping by tonight and giving us the 411 on WWE 2K14. Again, seven days. It drops in North America, November 1st internationally. I'm going to be playing the son of a bitch on the 29th. You can guarantee it. Uh, make sure you're checking out all the shows here on the SNS Radio Network. Don't forget this Sunday night, we will be covering a live pay-per-view Hell in a Cell for the WWE right here on the SNS Radio Network as Sunday Night Showdown returns with the three amigos, myself, Mark the Shark DiCarlo, and of course the Bronx Father. The band is back together. Don't forget shows like Get in the Zone every Friday night with the Bronx Father. At what time, Bronx? 10 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Mountain. There you go. Don't forget podcasts like the Elite Force podcast, both the midweek edition with Chuck W. and, of course, the weekend edition with Walkie and Mindwipe. Shows like Beyond the Bell with Sean Beckerman. Ashley's new show. Was it Sticks and Flicks or maybe it's That Man? I don't know. We might change the name again. Uh, <laughs> Running the Ropes. The whole indie show with Sandro, Randy, and, of course, Ashley. And I think that's going to do it. Yeah, I think we got them all, man. We did. We did get them all. Again, I want to thank everyone who tuned in tonight. Appreciate the support you guys give us. Uh, we're going to be making some changes on the air here, as you've noticed. New intro, some new commercials, some new uh, sounders. I've been a mad scientist this week, so I'm going to be doing a lot of crazy and inventive things over the next couple of weeks to enhance the show. And if you have feedback, feel free to send me feedback on what you'd like to hear, what you like, what you don't like about the show. You know what? I could take the criticism. Uh, anyway, you want to send those emails to snsradiounplugged at yahoo.ca. On that note, until we meet again, on behalf of the Bronx Father, Tony J. Mirabella, I'm Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson, and we'll see you next week for another edition of Unplugged right here on the SNS Radio Network. That being said, we're going to close it out with a special song of the night. Kind of goes out to Daniel Bryan. So we'll see you Sunday for Sunday Night Showdown. Happy trails, my friends. Happy trails.
this song i want to torture somebody i don't know go figure good night everybody fuck you fuck you fuck you you're cool and fuck you i'm out SNS Unplugged is not affiliated with the WWE, TNA, or any other wrestling and or entertainment organization and is exclusive to the SNS Radio Network. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. This podcast might not be suitable for all ages. Parental guidance is suggested. U4L bitches. Unplugged for life. You're still here? Go home. The show's over. Good night. Bye. Vamoose. Andale, andale. We want to go to sleep. Get out of here. Yeah, bye.